You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the radio octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger with you on day one of CFL Free Agent Frenzy 2023. This is a Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, a main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Coming up on today's program, we'll hear from Peter Labardius of the Calgary Flames Radio Network. And there's going to be lots and lots of CFL talk, including Arash Madani, Glenn Suter, and we will go to Montreal to chat about the Alouette's ownership situation. The Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers also coming up a little bit later in the program. And we will hear from the new starting center, projected starting center, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Peter Godber. Uh, that'll be coming up a little bit later in this half hour. But first, we go out to the Western Pizza Hotline and join our good pal, John Hodge, from Three Down Nation. Two days in a row because of the occasion around CFL free agent frenzy. John, what time did you start working today? Has it been nonstop? (laughs) I I don't want to give anybody the the graphic details, but my dog is feeling a little bit under the weather at the moment. So I I was up at about 1.30, and and I strongly consider just starting my work day, but I did get back to sleep, uh, and I, I've been going since about 7. Wow. Burning the midnight oil. Good for you. Okay. So we look at the moves that the riders have made. Trevor Harris, it's official. No surprise there. Touchdown, Jake Winicky, No surprise there. Uh, Philip Blake, you talked about that yesterday on the program. No surprise there. Uh, Peter Godber, the new center for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There was a lot of debate at the end of last year over how much the offensive line was really to blame for this. You had talked to outgoing O-line coach Stephen Sorrells. Um, I think he threw a number out there. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he said that the O-line really only deserved blame for something like 46% of all sacks that actually occurred. Based on the wholesale changes that we've seen so far, that tells me that the rider management is saying, you know what? It's hard to know exactly how much the Ryder O-line was to blame for last year's struggles. We don't have the luxury of finding out. We're making changes right now. Yeah, and you make a great point with the Sorrells interview. I've just checked my notes here. He said 42% of last year's 77 sacks were the fault of the offensive line, which I suppose would mean or at least infer that the other 58% were, were the fault of you know, either scheme or, or Cody ba- uh, quarterback Cody Fajardo holding on to the ball for too long or, or a receiver or maybe a running back not, not hitting their blocking assignments. Uh, to me, though, I, I am high on Trevor Harris and what I think he'll be able to do to help this offensive line. I ran some numbers, Brendan. In 2018, Michael Riley in his final season with the Edmonton Elks took a lot of sacks. That offensive line ranks 
seventh league-wide in terms of sacks allowed. The following year, Michael Riley returned to B.C., and that quarterback, Trevor Harris, now, of course, with the Saskatchewan Roughriders, came in to quarterback the Elks. And what happened in 2019 was largely the same offensive line in front of them. I believe four out of five starters were the exact same. All of a sudden, they were the number one ranked offensive line in the CFL in terms of sacks allowed. To me, when you look at Riley, when you look at a guy like Trevor Harris, they are polar opposites in how they approach the game. Michael Riley, more mobile, loved to hold on to the ball for, for three, four seconds at a time and, and spend all day scanning the field for options down the field. Trevor Harris is not like that. Trevor Harris, I, I think he's a little bit more mobile than, than we tend to give him credit for, but he is a pocket passer. He's somebody who likes to get rid of the ball extremely quickly. And so if you're the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and you're going, okay, we, we've got some tools here on the offensive side of the ball. We've got a couple really good young running backs. If you can take a guy like Trevor Harris, who loves to get rid of the ball quickly, bring in a couple of new faces on the offensive line, not not revamp it, but add a couple of pieces to it. I think they are in a much better position today to protect the quarterback than they were prior to this offseason. Our Three Down Nation CFL insider John Hodge joins us for Western Pizza. Dine in, take out or delivery, get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. So, John, what's this mean for Dan Clark going forward? Godber, is he going to be the new center for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? What's this mean for Dan Clark's future, do you think? Well, I can't speculate as to what Dan Clark has planned next. I know that Craig Dickinson told your radio station last week that that Dan will always be part of the Riders, whether that's as a player or whether that is in another role. We know he's been with the club since 2009, as a player since he was a territorial exemption from the CJFL. I will say this, though. Peter Godber, dating back to his collegiate days as Rice, has always exclusively played the center position. Could he play guard? My guess is sure. Most guys you can play center can play guard just fine. The positions are not drastically different. You're still on the interior of the O-line, of course. However, my expectation, if you're going to sign a guy like Peter Godber, is that he will be your starting center. Another name that I heard connected to Saskatchewan, who's since signed with Toronto, is Darius Sirocco. Darius Sirocco has started at guard and center in this league, was a first-round pick out of the University of Calgary to the Hamilton Tiger Cats in 2018. To me, going for a guy like Peter Godber over a guy like Darius Sirocco, who can do both, he started guard and center, means that you are prepared to stick Peter Godber in that center role, and we know, of course, that the the Stampede, or pardon me, the uh, the Riders have former University of Calgary Dino Logan Bandy still in the fold. He was the starting center last season, while Dan Clark was out for 14 games with a broken leg. So, to me, I would imagine, looking at the context clues, that Peter Godber will be the starting center this year. Where does that leave Dan Clark? Eh, might leave him out of a job, but of course, that remains to be seen. John, we're tight for time as always, but I'll just throw one more at you in 30 seconds or less. The Riders needed a quarterback. They needed a new offensive line and some new receivers. They seem to have all that now. Is it fair to say as an outsider, mission accomplished for Jeremy O'Day? I think so. I mean, this is a team that needed to embrace a bit of a new identity after what was, of course, a very disappointing season in 2023. I know there was some initial thoughts, some initial speculation with, O'Day and with head coach Craig Dickinson on expiring contracts that they might have a tough time 
bringing free agents to Ryderville. That was not the case. Trevor Harris, they got him done early, at least an agreement in place. He did a fantastic job recruiting players to the Prairies, and obviously they have had a lot of success signing guys. A ton of announcements today. Micah Johnson, Stephen Banks helping shore up that defensive line. The offensive line is working, in, and you mentioned the weapons in the receiving core. So I think that the Riders should be very pleased with what they've done so far this offseason. You can read all of John Hodges' stuff and more at 3downnation.com. Great job, my man. Uh, go let the dog out and get some rest, okay? Thanks, John. <laughs> Appreciate it, Brendan. Anytime. Okay, and that is John Hodge from 3 Down Nation. When we come back, we expect to hear from the brand new starting center, we think, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Peter Godbury. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Coming up on the program, we'll hear from Pete Lubardius about that epic meltdown that happened for the Calgary Flames last night against the Ottawa Senators. We'll do our check-in with Arash Madani, and Glenn Suter is going to join us on a special free agent edition of the program, and we'll have the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctions a little bit later on as well. And I think we'll throw some of those same questions we just threw at John Hodge at uh, Craig Dickinson. He'll have a little bit better insight as to what their plans are for Peter Godber. And to your point, Dan Clark, what does all this mean for... That's a big leader in the locker room, man. So that's going to be interesting to see what the riders do there because uh, I'm not saying that Godber's not a leader, but that's one guy, Dan Clark, that uh, everyone looks up to, so... We, we're, we're hoping to hear from Peter Godber in just mere moments, and um, press release just came out that the Riders confirming that they have uh, signed import defensive lineman Stefan Banks, uh, who spent the last two seasons with the Calgary Stampeders, and I know that the news of that uh, broke a little while ago, so it's not entirely news, but the Riders now making it official. And now we go out to the Western Pizza Hotline to... Uh, visit with the newly minted Saskatchewan Rough Rider Center, Peter Godber. Peter, where are you calling us from today? Do we have him? We'll try to get Peter on the line here. We're just having a bit of a technical snafu. Um, but he's the new center for the Rough Riders. We should tell you a little bit about him. Uh, started all 18 regular season games and two playoff games for the BC Lions last season. And the Lions did pretty well with rushing. They averaged the most net yards per game with uh, just over 384 yards. And that's passing. And then just under 100 yards rushing along the ground. And we saw what Nathan Rourke and... And Vernon Adams Jr. were both able to accomplish with that offense. And I think we have Peter now. Peter, can you hear me? Yeah, so now now I can hear you. Very good. Welcome to the program, and uh, welcome to Saskatchewan. Where are you calling us from today? Yeah, Brandon, thanks for having me on. I'm calling you guys from uh, British Columbia. I stay here in the off-seasons, and it's been great to work in the schools here and work in the off-season program and, and train here. So I'm calling you from B.C. What made you choose Saskatchewan? You know what? There's there's a lot of things that came into my uh, factor to side here. You know, one of them being uh, Jeremy O'Day and and Craig Dickinson and the staff they have together. Uh, another one is you know I'm a I'm a Canadian. I grew up in Toronto. Uh, one of the first games I went to in the CFL was a is a Grey Cup game uh, in Toronto. It happened in 2007, 
it was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders versus Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and I remember seeing how many fans the Saskatchewan Rough Riders had, and how much of an electric audience that was. And I, you know, since then I've always felt like, wow, what if what if I played for that team? So you know, there's a bunch of factors in, but it's always been uh, as a Canadian growing up, I've always kind of envied the Riders and, and you know wanted to be a part of that. New Rough Rider offensive lineman Peter Godberg joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, takeout, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Yeah, so you kind of answered my next question, Peter. I was going to ask you, like, has there ever been a time where you've been playing at Mosaic Stadium and you look up into the crowd, you see all the green jerseys, maybe a couple watermelon heads, and kind of think to yourself, man, this would be a pretty sweet place to call home for, you know, um, half the game or half the season? As far yeah. as half the home um, games, I mean. Yeah, so playing center, obviously uh, you got to communicate with your offensive line a lot. And playing at Mosaic Stadium is, is the hardest stadium to play at in the CFL because of how loud it is and how, how into it the fans are. And, uh, you know, playing here and having to go on silent count and, and do all the things that it takes to play there, you know, you, you look up and you're like, wow, this is, this is the best, you know, place to play uh, in front of fans in Canada. You know, it'd be really cool you know, this was a home game. So you, you think that in your mind when you come to Saskatchewan, growing up in Canada, you always know what Saskatchewan means to the, the country of Canada. So, yeah, I've always, I've always you know, thought it would be cool if it worked out and it happened to work out this year. Peter, um, I feel like if I was a pro athlete, I wish, and, uh, and, and was heading into free agency, I feel like I would be talking to my agent and saying, okay, I'm playing out of position. What team really, really needs my position? And I would look at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who surrendered 77 sacks last year and start licking my chops. Was there a little bit of that with you and your agent when you were thinking of different possibilities going into free agency this offseason? Uh, no, no, it was none of that. I mean, I've played uh, O-line long enough and uh, in the CFL and in college and stuff like that. And I've been on some teams where we allowed a high number of sacks. And, uh, you know, it's not always on the O-line. It has to do with... Uh, getting the ball out it, and it takes all 12 players on the o-line so you know what yeah the numbers were high last year i've been a part of a bc Lions team where the numbers were high as well uh and it's hard to say you know it's hard to put all the blame on the o-line um so no it wasn't necessarily that it was just a good fit for me um and and wanted to play uh, in saskatchewan what do you know about trevor harris what do you expect uh life will be like blocking for him have you had much time to think about that so yeah, he uh, he actually reached out to me and we got to talk to him a little bit. He, I mean, he's a great guy. Everything I've heard from different guys in the locker room is he's he's a really good leader. Obviously, he loves football and uh, just his preparation and stuff he does to keep his body ready. I know, you know, my quarterback here, Nathan Rourke. Trevor was with Nathan a few weeks ago in North Vancouver with the quarterback coach out here. So, anyways, it just speaks to how much he wants to win, how much he loves football. But I know he's a great quarterback, and I'm looking forward to playing for him. Yeah, so Peter, you mentioned how it's a good fit here in Ryderville. Has Jeremy O'Day or anyone else in the organization kind of lay the lay of the land for you to kind of for uh, what for you to expect when at the training camp? As far as like, are you going in the bona fide starting center? Are you just going to go in there to compete for a spot? What's that kind of looking like going into training camp this year? Yeah, I expect to come in and be the starting center, and, and I mean football is all about competition no matter where you enter camp in the depth chart so just like any year of football and no matter what situation is you have to compete to win the job um but you know i have high expectations for myself and uh i'm, I'm excited and that's what i expect to do and i, I gotta put in the work to get there but that's kind of what we talked about and uh they're excited to have me and i'm, I'm even more excited to be here Peter, I remember um, 
chatting with Ken Austin the one year that he was the head coach. You you referenced the 2007 season when the Rough Riders won the Grey Cup, the one-and-done year of Ken Austin, the very glorious season. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, learning how to be an offensive lineman is the most complicated, toughest position next to quarterback for anybody to learn. There are so many nuances that you have to learn, and I feel like that's probably uh, accentuated even more in your position at center. Last year, we saw instances where the offensive line and their quarterback were clearly not on the same page. And it's believed that that relationship was so irreparably damaged that there was no going back. Now, I don't expect you to comment on any of anything that's happened in the past, but does does all of that give us a true understanding of how important it is for you, your line mates and your quarterback to be together, to all be on the same page, to hang out a little bit, maybe off the field, to make sure that that relationship is as sound as it can be. Yeah, no, definitely you have to be on the same page as your quarterback, and and I mean all the receivers as well. It's protection is a is a twelve man uh, twelve man thing, and you know for example, just for the average listener, like if if the quarterback in the huddle calls a three hundred protection, which is a three step drawback, as an O lineman, you're expecting the ball to get out in, in a few seconds. Now, if the receivers are uh, they get um, covered or they're not open, and the quarterback has to hold them up to the ball, all of a sudden the quarterback is getting sacked on on a four second play with that every O line expected one or two seconds. So, long story short, yeah, you got to be on the same page with the quarterback. You got to be on the same page with the receivers, and then obviously the O lineman it really helps to know your guys inside and out. And O line is is the toughest. Uh, I mean, the closest group on the field. I think. I think that in BC it was really nice because we all lived here in the off season. We got to hang out all the time and you know, I hope we can be close and I expect to be close to the linemen there because really, you really have to be on the same page with someone and kind of know what they're going to do and what they think. Sounds like you had a pretty good thing going out there on the West Coast. I know Nathan Rourke's not going to be there anymore, but um, Vernon Adams Jr. is kind of an exciting player to watch. Must have been a pretty tough decision for you to leave all that behind. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know, and for me, I was drafted to BC. All I all I knew in the CFL was BC, uh, and it was a tough decision. It was it was not one I took lightly. I, I had to, you know, sleep on it and think about it for a long time. And uh, I'm just I'm just really excited about the thought of playing in Saskatchewan, uh, playing you know for Coach Dickinson and and, and Jeremy O'Day and, and everyone there. So that that's what made it happen. But it, it definitely was a tough decision. You're playing for another center. Did that factor in? Jeremy O'Day played the same position that you're playing. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Uh, funny enough, I called my grandpa uh, to tell him, hey, you know, this is a possibility and, you know, get his advice and talk to him a little bit. And, you know, he was just so fired up and he couldn't believe that I talked to Jeremy O'Day on the phone because he's, he's a lifelong CFL fan. Um, so, so, yes, that, that did, uh, it really it really did excite me and, and uh, it fired me up because I know, you know, what he's done in this league and, and how much of a, a great player he was. So it, it's, it's super exciting to play for someone like that and my whole family's really fired up for me. That's awesome. So you wore number 51 for the BC Lions. Can we expect you in number 51 with the green and white for those fans out there just, you know, getting ready to buy some Peter Godbert jerseys? Can we expect the number 51? <laughs> yeah, you know what? A center jersey may be the least popular jersey, but that's okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I am wearing number 51 here. Nice. I got confirmation this morning, and uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, you'll see uh, maybe, maybe 151. 
jersey in the stand, maybe one or two, maybe my parents will come out, who knows? <laughs> so yeah, That's awesome. you, you know what, Jeremy O'Dale will challenge you on that. If you walk around Mosaic Stadium on game day, if they let you sit out one of the preseason games, you'll be surprised how many number 54 jerseys there are from Jeremy O'Day's playing days in the stand, so you never know, and, and sometimes people joke yeah. that the number doesn't matter, but I'm glad you confirmed it, because numbers do matter, so oh, I'm glad yeah, that do. you've got... <laughs> you, you, you'll have your full mojo with your, your regular number 51. Hey, this has been great. Welcome to Regina. We can't wait for you to get here. Hopefully this is the first of many interviews you have with the Sports Cage. And uh, good luck this season. It's all going to be pretty exciting no matter how how it turns out. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. And I'm, I'm really excited to get to Saskatchewan. I'm, I'm just so fired up and I, and I can't wait. So thank you so much for having me on here. And I'm excited to be a Rough Rider. Awesome. That Thanks, is the Peter. new center for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Peter Godber. He sounds Jacked up. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. To, to come to Saskatchewan. I'm get a 51 jersey. I'll tell you that right now. I am. You were that impressed with the interview. You're going to get a number 51, are you? Hey, I was a fan of his when he was on the BC Lions, so I'm, I'm glad he's here, man. You surprised that they managed to make so many changes along the O-line, like you saw them signing like Gerald Hawkins and some of the other imports, but now they've got one, but two new Canadians? Yeah, so I don't know if surprise is the right word, but we all knew that the old line needed some, you know, upgrades. So, and if uh, I'm not surprised on that aspect of things, am I surprised? I kind of was thinking to myself, maybe they were going to go more so the American route along the offensive line and maybe scatter the uh, the Canadians along the receiver position. But hey, I'm I'm fired up that we signed a couple Canadians along the offensive line today with Peter and. Uh, Philip Blake, so it's great. Well, we got clarity on his role. We'll get clarity a little bit later on on the program on Dan Clark's role going forward from Rough Rider head coach Craig Dickinson, who will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Peter Lubardius is next. You're listening to The Sports Cage on The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Sports ticker at 332s for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. Just rolling on through all the signings thus far for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Quarterback Trevor Harris is officially a member of Rider Nation, so uh, so is his running mate. Montreal receiver Jake Weineke, a familiar face, returns to Ryderville as well as defensive tackle Micah Johnson signs with the green and white. And these next couple are exciting ones because we didn't hear much uh, speculation about them this past week. Speedy receiver Sean Bain Jr. has signed with the Rough Riders. He had a nice season last year with the Calgary Stampeders. And an O-line anchor has arrived in Ryderville. We just heard from him on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Rough Riders have signed national offensive lineman Peter Godber. He started all 18 regular season games and two playoff games at center for the BC Lions in 2022. And uh, this news just coming in a few minutes ago. The Rough Riders have also brought in uh, an old familiar face, Philip Blake, along the offensive line. So that's another uh, great signing there. And earlier this morning, the Riders also signed American receiver Kalijah Lipscomb, he spent some time with the Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers during the 2020 season, and then in 2021, Lipscomb uh, attended training camp with the Tennessee Titans. Elsewhere around the CFL, once again, the league is now the owner of the Montreal Alouettes. The league tweeted out a statement this morning just before the start of free agency, so the headline gets uh, nice and buried. That uh, The tweet states, rather, that uh, an accelerated formal sales process led by the league's investment banking partner Park Lane has been initiated.
Cougars in the Cage, brought to you by Fries Tallman. Since 1956, Fries Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Fries Tallman in Regina and Fort Coppell. All right, the head coach of the Regina Cougars men's basketball program, Steve Burroughs. Steve is coming up on 10 years that you've been the head coach of the Cougars. June 24th, 2013. Does it seem like 10 years ago or does it uh, seem like it's been closer than that, Steve? It probably depends when you ask me to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably been days that probably been days it seems like that long. But no, it's been it's been uh it's been good. I've enjoyed it the whole time and uh obviously COVID was uh so I guess in theory it doesn't seem like I've been coaching uh for all that period of time, but at the same time, uh no, I've enjoyed the experience for sure. Well, we are in February of 2023 right now, of course, and the Cougar men's basketball team just put the wraps on the conference schedule with a 96-82 road win over McEwen on Saturday in Edmonton. Take us through the game, Coach Burroughs. A 13-3 run at the end of the half. That's what you like to see, huh? Heading into the locker room? Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, it was an interesting weekend because you're never really sure. McEwen, we knew, was, was, has already been eliminated from the playoffs, so you're never really sure what you're going to get there in terms of uh, from their end. And then from us, we just wanted to concentrate on, you know, trying to play good basketball, play solid basketball, and do some things that are going to help us be successful this weekend. Yeah, heading into the Canada West postseason as the conference's number eight seed, and you will be matching up with the number nine seed, UNBC, in a play-in game. That game coming up on Friday night in Victoria, BC. What do you expect from this UNBC team? What are their strengths? An interesting matchup because we actually haven't the last couple of years have gone, and it's, we just they've been off the radar, so to speak. So neither one of us have seen each other. We played 15 teams in Can West this year, but actually one of them is, has not been them. So uh, a little bit unfamiliar for both of us. We've got some really good, uh, their first five can really score it. All, all five of them average double figures. Uh, athletic up front. So yeah, we know it's going to be a challenge. We're going to have to be ready to go. So what's the schedule look like for you guys? Do you hop on the plane on Wednesday, Thursday? What's that look like on your end? Yeah, we practiced yesterday. Uh, then we'll practice again today, tomorrow. And then uh, we're actually split up in two groups just because getting out of here with family day weekend and everything like that has been a bit of a challenge. So uh, we're in two groups. First group leaves Thursday morning and then the second group leaves shortly thereafter about noon. Get into Vic Thursday night and then uh, practice Friday morning and get her going. Help me wrap my head around this. You guys are the number eight seed, but yet you're heading to the West Coast to take on the number nine seed. Is there a different, am I missing something here? Uh, you and everybody else are missing something there. So, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I think uh, I think Davies, the, you know, the women's coach here has got a, maybe, maybe even a worst case scenario because they got two teams from BC that are coming here to play Friday night and then the winner plays Dave on Saturday. Uh, new new system, never been done before, and to be honest, it's not going to be done again because next year, again, a different format. So we go back to the tournament format that we had last year. So this is kind of the one and only shot of this, and does create some challenges. Uh, obviously, Victoria is waiting to play the winner of our game, which is why we're going Victoria. So whoever wins our game on Friday will play Victoria on Saturday. Steve Burrows, the head coach of the University of Regina Cougars men's basketball team. Good luck Friday, coach. Thanks for your time today, man. All right. Appreciate you. Let's talk hockey with NHL broadcaster Peter Labardius. Nobody knows the game at all levels like Peter. From the Regina Pats broadcast booth to being a leading voice on Calgary Flames Radio, this is Peter's Puck. 
Phew, finally a break from all the CFL talk. A little bit later, we'll talk to uh, Craig Dickinson on the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. And Glenn Suter also coming up in hour two on this edition of the Sports Cage. But right now, we go out to the Western Pizza Hotline for a little bit of hockey talk with our good pal Peter Lubardius, who was in the rink on scene to the carnage that occurred at the end of the game between the Flames and the Ottawa Senators. But before we get to that, Pete, I used to broadcast games in Esteban just like you did. Uh, Blaine Wyland, who works in our sports department, used to broadcast games in Esteban, and everybody talks about what a great, beautiful new arena they have. I miss the smelly little odd. I miss doing games in that arena. Do you Do you miss that arena too? Uh, how you... Brendan, first of all, I'm not quite as big an idiot as you might think after reaching out to me today. <laughs> we uh, got to tell that story on air. I'll give people some context. We, 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 will, we, will, we will tell that story, okay? Um, and, and just understand that a lot of times when people reach out that I'm unfamiliar with, for, for my old brain, it can be a little confusing, and it just shows me I need to do a better job, which my wife tells me a lot. Maybe read it, you donkey. That's, that's, that's what my wife just said to me last night. So we're on the same page with that. I reached out to Lou today and asked if he could come on the radio. And he said, Brendan, I only go on the cage, nowhere else. So we tested him out, and his loyalty is tried, tested, and true. See, at least now you know that that's the case. And nobody can ever question that, despite the fact that I feel like an absolute um, but let's let's talk about the point at hand. Um, you know that place for me was so special. You know it's where I got my start. Um, broadcast my first ever hockey game, October second, nineteen eighty five. Wow! Estevan Bruins and the Yorkton Terriers. Um, I met some of the most incredible people I've met in my career. It's really, you know, you, you know how, Brendan, you hear how, you know, hockey players, they start in a certain place and, you know, they'll talk about where they, in many ways, grew up or learned to be a professional. Um, and, and Esteban very much was that for me. Um, I had a marvelous time. And I love that building. I dealt primarily in my time there, at least for three and a half of the years, with Jerry James. Um, assistant coach was Cal Peranto. Uh, just, you know, the players, I still have really good relationships with a, a lot of guys who played in that time. Um, the Burgess family down there. Uh, I didn't do very well with my first girlfriend there. That was a little painful. Um, you don't have to mention her. It's okay. That, yeah, well, she was a good one. That's why I got so hooked so quick. But she <laughs> she was the smarter one. They, she got rid of my tail first. Sounds like Peter um, wants to talk about this. <laughs> even be listening. Um, Valentine's sorry. Day special here. going a lot of different ways with me. <laughs> Mr. Kleisinger knows that. But, yeah, I, I love that place. I miss that place. Uh, I can still, and I know you will understand this, Brendan, I can still smell that place. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And, and it's and like I don't even mean that in a derogatory Joe Lewis Arena smell, which is a combination of some form of vinegar and a couple other interesting species. 
Um, that's not a fond smell. This one is a fond smell. Yeah, that building had character. The ice surface was smaller, and uh, I was always oh. told that 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 it was built in the fifties because it was the farm team of the Boston Bruins, so they wanted the players to be ready to play on the Boston God and ice. Exactly true. So exactly magical, 100%. magical place, and I'm still sad they tore it down. They had to, but still, I can still be sad that it's it's and no the longer new around. building is you know, and I finally got there last year. Oh, good, good. One day and one and one game, I got there for the final game of the Centennial Cup, and my I say they did an amazing job with the new building. I I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, me too. It knocked my socks off too, and everyone else's. Um, you know, I, I I'm guessing. You know, I'll just tell you. Last night, I had my own experience sitting in front of the TV, just casually watching the Senators and the Flames. And um, you know, I'm a casual observer of the Flames. I have a little bit of disdain for them, just because my wife loves them, and because I grew up a Canuck fan, and my uh, farmer neighbor. I get it. Kyle Kish was a huge Flames fan, so for those reasons, you know, I always had a little bit of um, sourness about the Calgary Flames in me. So so last night, I see the goal where uh, Dubé uh, builds the, the 3-1 lead, and I doze off, and then I hear the horn. Um, oh, they make it a little more interesting. 3-3 three, three with what, under three minutes? Or sorry, 3-2 with under three minutes to go. And then I hear the horn again. Debrincat ties it. And, and, and then in overtime, uh, Stutzel gets the winner. And uh, I thought, wow, what an ending. I'm sure uh, your viewers in Calgary may not feel this way, but I felt like if you ever drifted away from the sport during the dead puck era, if you watched that third period last night, that would tell you that hockey's been back in a big way. Well, that's one way of looking at it for absolute sure. And I don't, Brendan, I don't disagree with you. Um, you know, listen, I was watching it on monitors myself because we don't travel anymore and haven't since COVID. So, no, I was not at Canadian Tire Centre looking for a mini stick to hit myself with when it's <laughs> all said and done. Um, but, you know, it, it, it has been a season for this hockey team where, frankly, and if you, you know, casually watched or you were very in tune, the Flames were literally three minutes away from putting two of their best games of the season back-to-back. The game in Buffalo, you know, where they won 7-2 and were full marks and really overwhelmed the Sabres on Saturday afternoon and, frankly, for the better part of 57 minutes, did exactly the same to the Senators. And, you know, they found a way to have a couple of tough shifts when the opposition had their goalie pulled and you know the one thing about Ottawa Stutzla you know is a is a budding superstar and had a pretty good indicator you know even remembering back to his first world junior in the Czech Republic as a 16 year old with Germany this guy's a player and he's going to do some really good things and you know in, in its own way it's said a lot about the Flames season they've now been in 32 one-goal games, and they have gotten a lot of points out of those games because they have, I think it's now 11 or 12 loser points. But every night for them, they seem to find a way, by and large, for it to be stressful. And they're 3-8 and eight in 3-on-3 three three overtime. So in the bubble, which you'll remember, 
the Flames didn't make the playoffs and lost out in, you know, the Canadian division for fourth to Montreal because of Montreal's 11 loser points and Calgary only had three of them. I, right now, though, it feels like there's not enough extras. But last night for me was one of those games and it's what I had to remind the Calgary audience of because I saw a few people on my way home last night from the studio lining up for a canoe ride at the Bow River. And I don't think they were that interested in canoeing. Um, it was that bad. It's, you know, in the course, well, the, the heartbreak was that bad, but how they played wasn't bad at all, frankly, except for about 46 seconds. So, you know, if you've been in sports for a long time and you can take the fan glasses off and put the analyst lens on and the coaching lens, somehow the Flames have to convince themselves between now and Thursday against Detroit in what was the last game where they did not play very well, that there's more pluses to take out of last night than the third period collapse. So, Peter, a, a, a hypothetical is just floating around in my mind. You said that you broadcast the uh-huh. road, you you broadcast the road games in studio. So, automatically, my mind went to: What if a Game Seven Stanley Cup Final happens and the Calgary Flames are playing? I don't know at the Carolina Hurricanes Game Seven. There's no way that they're putting you in a dark room and broadcasting that in downtown Calgary. Are Are you serious? Oh, yes, they are. Oh, come on. Where was I I for the first battle of Alberta in 31 years when they played in Edmonton? But I'm talking like Game 7 Stanley Cup Final? Well... Well, I mean, I think he's just pointing out that that was a pretty big moment. Oh, he was know. in his studio. Yeah, yeah. Is there? Is there? Um, yeah. What What is the biggest difference that you notice from being in the arena to being in studio? I've never had the the opportunity to broadcast a game not on location. Uh, it's hard, and you know, I mean, I'm still really a play by play guy by trade, even though I've been, you know, doing this job now for ten years. But as an analyst think about it this way and it's a great question and I get asked it a lot well the big difference is I can only see the puck can't see anything develop can't see anything at the benches I can't see anything that's going on in behind the play we absolutely have to guess a lot of times on you know was that an offside are they going to take a penalty because you can't see yeah no that's and like you can't and for for a play-by-play person you know it's it's different the challenge of doing being the color commentator is you know a big part of that job at least the way i look at it is you're trying to tell people why what happened happened so when you don't really get a chance to see it develop That's very difficult. And in radio, maybe even more so, because I was lucky enough this year and think it went okay. I did one game of the Flames as the color analyst on television, which is the first time I've been in that role on TV. But there, there are monitors, you have a producer, you have a director, you know, and in many ways on television, guys, a good color analyst kind of almost directs the show. Because yep. you're in constant communication 
with your producer, you know, and then the incredible people who no one knows, who are the replay people, um, and and in Calgary and in Edmonton in particular, and in the West, are some of the best people at that job on planet Earth. And I know I've worked with all of them. Um, but in radio, you have less time. You don't always have time to kind of wait maybe for a replay. And is it what you want to look at? Right, so right, I'm yeah. Kind of playing, they, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of playing the game the same way you are. And for a play-by-play guy, what it really forces you to do, and I'm good this way because I watch so much hockey and I've watched so much hockey of guys coming up and for whatever reason it comes easy to me you better not just be relying on like numbers and nameplates yeah no for sure and listen i i I did color commentary for a year peter and uh it gave me a whole new respect i used to think beforehand that it was really really tough to be a play-by-play guy and easy to be a color guy that's not true they're just very different skill sets and i think that anybody who is in the industry should try to do both just to learn if nothing else gain an appreciation for for what the color man has to do hey listen we're we're up against the break here um this has been great and uh we will uh pick this up when you're back on next week and in the meantime, I'm going to find a different cell number to invite you on a different program for a big money contract. So we'll see if you take the bait. <laughs> oh, nice. Listen, I have no money, so I'm always I'm always open. We're going to keep testing that loyalty. Thanks, Pete. Hey, thanks, guys. Be well. Okay, that is Peter Labardius from the Calgary Flames Radio Network. Good chat, good discussion. Uh, by the way, um, just came over the wire. The Rough Riders made it official. They have signed receiver Juwan Breskison from the Calgary Stampeders. I don't know that we knew that was going to happen beforehand. So more big news out of Ryderville. We'll talk about it more when we come back. You're listening to The Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball this week on the Sports Cage. And you can always join in on the discussion through plenty of different ways. Uh, You can join in through our Twitter feed. At Sports Cage is our Twitter handle. So far, not blocked by Cody Fajardo. And you can also text in on the Capital GMC Butel. Let me start that again. Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line uh, 306-936-6262. And you can always call us toll free at 1-866-767-0620. Coming up, we're going to hear from the coach Craig Dickinson, uh, who's going to recap all these free agent moves that have been made official. Uh, One, maybe there was notification out uh, through our insider friends at three down nation that juan breskison was going to join the rough riders maybe i completely missed it but uh it's official the riders have inked the receiver uh formerly of the calgary stampeders and the bc the bc the toronto argonauts won a great cup back in november here in regina didn't have a big year at all uh very pedestrian stats he only played uh six games so it'll be interesting to hear from coach dickinson uh maybe they think they can get him at a bargain basement price i'm not sure but uh 
Yeah, he played. He only had six catches for fifty-three yards. So some more very, Canadian talent in the in the door at Mosaic Stadium. But you know what? He did have almost six hundred yards a few years ago with the Calgary Stampeders, and he is a ratio breaker. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't uh, discount that. Hey, Cam on the text line, he says, "Generally pleased with Ryder free agent signings announced today thus far. O line changes look promising with Godburn, Blake, and potential new import tackles." That's from Cam. And uh, we are, we also have a few other texts uh, with people saying they're definitely pleased with the move so far. Uh, Timmy says, love the Godber signing, love the interview. And uh, if you missed that interview, by the way, uh, you can check it out on demand later wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, we had Peter Godber, our new center, Brennan McGuire, on the cage today. So we all know what that probably means for Mr. Dan Clark. That's something that we for sure have to uh, ask Coach Dickey later. It kind of makes you wonder if maybe they're going to offer him a spot in the organization or maybe maybe he stays around for another year as an extra body. You don't usually see mm-hmm. that out of veteran alignment. Once um, <clears throat> things start to wind down, they just, that's it. That's, you get them at a bargain price and, and slide them over to guard. That's right. something you could do too, but I don't know. If, ah. I don't know if he's willing to do that at the tail end of his career, right? So that, that might be beneath Dan with yeah. his credentials and all of his capabilities about what he wants uh, to do next. But good, he brought up a good point, or I forget who brought up a good point. Logan Bandy still uh, still on the roster too, right? So mm-hmm. now you've got uh, Furland, you've got Bandy, and you've got Godber. Yeah, and yeah. I Phillip think Blake Evan, in the mix, um, Evan Johnson. Yeah, Evan. You know, so you've got Canadians, and I think their their whole plan was to have three Canadians on the interior of that offensive line and use their available um, import spots to fill the tackle roles. But now you've got Blake, who's a uh, who's technically Canadian. So you may only have to burn the one import spot among the offensive line, whereas last year they were always using two import spots. Who'd have thunk it that you could have more Canadians and actually have? a better offensive line than they did in 2022. That could be the case because we don't think it'll be any worse than it was last season when they surrendered the 77 sacks. Time to break. We'll have more from the CFL's first day of free agent frenzy in 2023. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Denny. Our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Denny. And it is time for Rashmadani for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 306-546-2533. And joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, our good pal Arash Madani. And Arash, before I get into it, I'm a little late with this, but I know when you're in town for Grey Cup, you and Dunk went to the George Reed play, 34. What did you think? Oh, man, it was awesome. It was awesome. And the real treat... On top of an actual two-person play, um, was that we were in the presence of royalty. George Reed himself, 34, was in the house for it. So it kind of added a little bit, and I think it meant a lot, not only to the people there, but the performers on stage. And I thought it was a great Grey Cup moment, a great Canadiana moment, a great Saskatchewan moment to kind of showcase... Um, one of the greatest players that the Canadian Football League has ever had, a pioneer in the game, and for him to be in the house was kind of 
the icing on the cake. I feel like goosebumps go up everywhere when you get to visit with George. And um, I remember years and years ago on this station listening to Ron Lancaster do an interview the season that Mike Pringle broke George Reed's rushing record. And yeah. at the time, Ronnie was the GM of the Ticats and, you know, was asked, what do you think? And he said, uh, you know, Pringle might have more yardage. Good for him. Listen, George was out, out and about in the province. He was donating to charity. He was doing events for charity. He was doing this. He was doing that. Nobody's better than George. And that's kind of how I feel like people here feel about it and a uh, very fitting place. I'm glad that you got to check that out. Uh, yeah, and I think at a time we're seeing, and, and Brendan, it's a good point that you bring up, and I know we want to go in some different directions, but I just think it's fitting you do that on the day of CFL free agency. Because, look, I, I'm all for everybody getting theirs. I'm all for everybody getting the bag. You have a very limited shelf life um, as a professional athlete. Get paid what you can, where you can. And I know that the league has quote-unquote tried um, to put some new things in, you know, with quarterbacks to be invested long-term in a market. But the reality reality is there are fewer and fewer George Reed types in marketplaces across the league today where you have players invested 12 months around, you know, 12 months a year in that market and what they can do and what they can mean and doing the banquet circuit and the rubber chicken circuit and, you know, being paid on the side to go to different community events and the rest. That matters in a business where you're selling tickets two by two. And, you know, today I see Greg Ellingson go to Montreal. Thrilled for Ellingson. Another opportunity at this stage of his career um, to go. But I look at a guy like Greg Ellingson. He's played just about everywhere in this league. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. think of how different it would be if he had remained, if, if the Tiger Cats had made, he's playing at a high level, continues to play at a high level. If the Tiger Cats had made a commitment to him, for instance, from the jump. And it's, it, it's the difference for a player when uh, of thirty or $40,000 is significant in free agency. And it's a shame that may take away from somebody spending a significant period of time in the marketplace where they can make an impact because I believe on the back end of that, you can get that 30 grand back uh, in ticket sales and everything else and goodwill down the road. Yeah, Ellingson's had a great career. He's now on his fifth team. I never even thought of that. So no, that's a good point. And um, who fits in the category we're talking about? George Reed, Pinball Clemens, and not a lot else. And it makes you wonder if the teams need to find money in their budgets that, hey, you'll work for us in the offseason too in our marketing department and get you know, X amount extra or what have you. That's a whole other discussion. Um, you were at the Super Bowl? What did yes, you think? Sir. Oh, man, where to begin? Um, solid game. Um, and I just, I'm all for replay when it's designed to overturn and overrule an egregious mistake. And when a lot of people have been against replay, I've always been for it because you want, you just want the right thing to happen in a game. It's now gotten to the point where, you know, the analysis of whether or not a receiver caught the ball or not, you know, I think back to the Devontae Smith catch, no catch. And it's, the game is being over-officiated. It's too much. Look, if if the player had two feet inbounds in the ball, it's a catch, it's a catch. 
if there was the slightest move of the logo showing in underneath the bicep when he was being pushed, <laughs> he got two feet in on the ball. Okay, <laughs> like you know, let's let's let the players play. Let's let the game dictate what's happening here. Let's not have this eye in the sky change everything. Uh, I I didn't like the holding penalty at the end being called. It was a foul. Okay. But I think there's more than that in just how professional football is getting officiated these days. And it was it was there for all of us to see the other night. Another note on the Super Bowl. You know, when we, when we talk about the CFL and the NFL, and some of us are three-down loyalists, admittedly. The Prairie region is the one region um, on that latest Angus Reid survey that says they, that we actually prefer the Grey Cup over the Super Bowl. And everywhere else, it's more about the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I believe the rhetoric when they say that athletes in the NFL are better. A linebacker in the NFL will run a 40 better quicker than a CFL one will, etc. I believe the rhetoric that there's probably better coaching in the NFL. They're just they're paid more, they get more resources, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I have a staff cap. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't buy any of the rhetoric. The one to, to me, the one saving grace for the Canadian Football League has always been and continues to be the rules. The rules in our league are superior to that of the National Football League, and that's subjective. But uh, one thing that I used to wish that could be changed was that we had more emphasis on timeouts, you know, like actually put them up on the screen, maybe have an extra one. I watched the end of that Super Bowl, and I thought, gee, if you had CFL three downs, CFL clock rules, and CFL timeout rules, that would have saved that ending, would it not? Yeah, and if the holding penalty hadn't happened, it would have saved the ending too. Right, that too, um, that, that too, for sure, for uh, sure. Mark Tressman always talked about 57 plus 3 when he was in Montreal. And even had it engraved in one of their Grey Cup rings. You know, the first 57 minutes of the game is one thing. The last three minutes of the game is an altogether different thing. How the clock works, how situational football exists, how you go about it. 57 plus 3 was a real mantra. But... Okay. Mr. McGuire, let's just lay this out. Okay. There is, there may be for some an inferiority complex about the Canadian game versus the American game. There shouldn't be. There's nothing about it. Okay. The top, there's 53 men on an NFL roster. Okay. 10 of them, the first round picks, the best of the best, are probably superior to the guys on a CFL roster. The rest, Right there. Right there with it. And if you don't believe me, ask Chad Ochocinco and ask Alex Singleton and ask, go back a generation or two and ask Warren Moon. They'll tell you the same thing. The issues here, north of the border, are the self-inflicted wounds that are done at the administrative level, that are done at the league office level, which rear its ugly head today. (laughs) For the second time in three years, the Alouettes are without an owner. And the league office is running it. Yeah, and that's, tell me a league in which that would possibly happen on on the opening day of free agency. <laughs> on the opening day of free agency, where reportedly the Alouettes didn't have much of a signing bonus to offer players in free agency. 
You know, I, I'm really torn on this in some ways because I, I grew up in the 90s when teams did fold. There were no Montreal Alouettes when I started following the league. And so maybe I'm too stuck in that, that I'm really grateful that they find somebody who has money and who wants to own a CFL franchise. But the fact that this estate of the late Sid Spiegel has dragged this out to the point that it's not just damaging, but in some ways downright destroying the Alouette's ability to compete. Well, let me stop you Go there, ahead. Brendan. Go ahead. Hold on a minute. This is not on the estate. I, I'll take you back to November at Grey Cup. The commissioner stood and said, it's steady as she goes in Montreal when it comes to ownership. Mm-hmm. The same commissioner who installed Sid Spiegel at what age? 89. And, and was shocked that unfortunately he passed. Yeah, it makes and it... you and you think back to the story in which the Spiegel Stern situation of ownership unfolded. That they attended uh, a Grey Cup party at the home of Dale Lastman, who at the time was the chair of board of governors for the Canadian Football League. When you speak to people in Montreal. When you speak to people around the province of Quebec, they will tell you there were owners with pockets. And what the league office tried to spin during that time and afterwards is that those local people didn't have the funds, didn't have the money, didn't have the resources that this group did. Well, how has that worked out for you now? Yeah. A lot of egg on everybody's face, particularly Randy Ambrosi's, and it makes you wonder how much work did he actually do to go toward finding an owner? I mean, like you said, he met him at a Grey Cup party at Dale Lastman's house. Uh, How much work did he actually do to sniff this out? But Not just that. Who does Randy report to? The governors. Mm -hmm. When you're taking, when, (laughs) when the chair of the board of governors is being taken care of, that helps you in your role, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. That's that's a good point. And it, look, it, it's an embarrassing look for the CFL. The CFL has had many embarrassing looks, and this is just another. This is just another one, isn't it? Uh, for for a league that has taken a lot of licks over the years. This this reminds me of the opening of free agency going into 2017 with the Toronto Argonauts. The ownership wasn't in flux. Um, but they were still figuring out what to do, who to install, and they didn't seem to have anybody in their front office, and yet somehow they managed to recover and win the Grey Cup that year. So I guess there is hope for the Alouettes on the field. Uh, are, you, are you being serious with Cody <laughs> as their quarterback? Did, did you not just watch what happened in, in your he's backyard? Got new, he's, got, he's got a new offensive line, a new Woo! offensive coordinator. Yeah, wonder what Jason Moss thinks of the decision uh, He's made over there. It's, hope his uh, hope his salary is guaranteed. And Caleb uh, Evans, by the way, Caleb Evans. Yeah. You're forgetting <laughs> about Caleb Evans, around the best throwing motion in football history. <laughs> the worst quarterback. Um, I don't know about you two. Um, I thought the two winners, quote unquote, winners today in free agency, and, I, and it's hard today because you know a team like Winnipeg had already locked up a lot of its guys already. But I thought from a splash standpoint, uh, the big winners today were Ottawa and Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why what do you, you say? Think? Well, uh, definitely Saskatchewan, but but we I'm trying to be objective because we see the world through green and white colored glasses. Um, why Ottawa? 
Javon Santos oh, Ottawa, Knox. Ottawa has significantly upgraded its roster over the last few days. I mean, you know, you go get a Canadian offensive lineman who just spent some time in the NFL. You gave him the bag, but it's worth it. You believe you're going to get not only your quarterback, Jeremiah Masoli, back, but you make sure Arbuckle's in the mix. I like the Santos Knox move that they made today. Uh, and look, just real, I know you guys are going to be talking about the riders all day, but what, what were the riders' glaring issues this past season? Offensive the guy line. Throwing and, the ball and the yeah. guy, prote- the guy's yeah. trying to protect him. And I think they got better at both of those positions, especially the guy throwing the ball officially today. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, when when you listen to Kelly Jeffrey talk as a new offensive coordinator, he talked about how he wanted a quarterback who is a quick release guy who'd have a high completion percentage. And the more I read into that, we were hearing reports that maybe Dane Evans would be the guy. And I'm not saying they wouldn't have got that gone that route um, if this hadn't come up. But the more I was thinking about it, I thought, wow, Trevor Harris would be the perfect fit for them. And I wrote about it on Three Down Nation, fully not expecting it to happen. That the embarrassment of trying to sell the CFL to Montreal would end up like this. And at the end of the day, the riders get their man. It couldn't have worked out better for Saskatchewan than it did. I can't think of any better scenario. Can you? Uh, I think the only better scenario would have been if Geno Lewis came along, but not at that ticket. Um, not at, th- you know, what was it, reported 300,000 plus? Yeah, right. Second straight year, Chris Jones. And I, I don't and, think he's uh, happy with that either. I think he wanted more than that, but he settled <laughs> for what for, for what he was asking. Settling at three hundred grand and this CFL salary cap, uh, I think he did quite well for himself. Um, but yeah, that, I think that would be the only thing that would upgrade. And I mean, who knows with injuries? Who knows as as the season goes on what happens? That to me is going to be one thing to keep an eye on for the riders is. There's probably going to be a need for more skilled position players. Now, that said, that said, let's find out what Jeremy O'Day and his scouting staff has been made of. A year ago, nobody knew who Dalton Schoen was, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolute nobody. Yep. So let's see what they were able to go find, and let's see what they're able to be as pros and training camp and the preseason, the first few games of the of the regular season will tell us that. Yeah, we'll see what uh, assistant GM Paul Jones and that scouting staff is really made of uh, in these situations. Hey, listen, um, we're up against it, but I did want to ask you, Zinger tells me you have a league office scoop that perhaps you would like to share. Yeah, and look, I'm not, I'm not piling on, but um, Matt Machak, who for a lot of people, they don't know who that is. He, for the last decade and a half, has been the vice president of communications, been there for Three commissioners, I believe, uh, Kohan, Orridge, and now Ambrosi. Uh, Matt Maycheck is leaving the league office. Another vice president. Um, Christina Litz was the vice president of marketing. Kevin McDonald was the vice president of football operations and player safety. Matt Maycheck, the vice president of public relations and communications. Maycheck is on his way out. I'm not sure if it's been formally announced. Um, but I've been told that's happening. It just feels like a lot of people are leaving the league office and there's some uncertainty over there. So uh, I don't know after this Alouettes thing what happens next, but uh, that to me was a, that to me is telling uh, that somebody who's been there that long, who knows where all the bodies are buried, is, uh, is heading out. 
hopefully we get the answers to that in the days and weeks ahead and it's not as dire as the as Herb Zerkowski would call it perhaps the biggest fortnights coming ahead for the Montreal Alouettes uh, in the weeks ahead lots to talk about Arash great job as always thanks Brendan thanks guys that is Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 306-546-2533. We've got to break. We'll be back with more on the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. What a game from Tim Stutzla last night. Game-winning goal in overtime to go along with two assists. The Ottawa Senators defend their home ice with a 4-3 win versus the Calgary Flames. Tim Stutzla putting the Sens on his back on way to a sports cage clutch performance for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Coming up on the program, we're going to hear from the coach on the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. So get your questions ready. You can send them to us on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line, 306-936-6262. Still ahead, we'll also hear from Glenn Souter as we continue to meander our way through day one of CFL Free Agency. And we will go to Montreal in the final two segments of the program tonight to learn a bit more about what the heck is going on with the Alouettes and their ownership situation? Isn't that so sneaky how they just make that release the morning of free agency? Like, come on. That is just so slimy, in my opinion. You know what? Let's not, let's make nobody talk about this and trying to forget about this. And let's just make it right before all the big name signings go official. Like, yeah, good work. That's you know, going to go a long way. You know what my biggest takeaway yeah. from that visit with Arash I got was? Fajardo. He, he ain't real excited about the 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 prospect of Cody Fajardo leading the Montreal Alouettes I don't, I don't to think, a Grey Cup. I, I wonder if there's anybody out there that's excited to see that. Well, I think I, I you know what I it doesn't seem as dire to me as maybe everybody else because remember when oh. CFL free agency opened in 2017, the Argos were a mess. They didn't have a general manager. They were just they had nobody working in their front office. And who was crowned the Grey Cup champion? In November, the Toronto Argonauts. And and listen, C- Cody showed plenty of signs that he could be a star quarterback before he came here. Before he met Jason Moss. And before, what well, happens? He goes back to Jason Moss. And his first year of Jason Moss, <laughs> they did okay. I mean, he didn't repeat what he did in 2019. But I don't uh, know. It's it's not as dire as everybody says. But it they were building a pretty nice foundation there. Or at least it looked like it. Mm. And it's just very Bush League. That, that you would be trying to sell this league, this brand, to a big market like Montreal. And then this happens with the ownership situation. And Commissioner Ambrosi should have held their feet to the fire. The ownership, like Arash says, well, it's not on the estate, Brendan. I think it's a little bit on this, the estate. The estate said it's steady as she goes. And then all of a sudden, we've got all these issues where players can't commit or don't want to commit. So there's, there's, there's blame on the commissioner, 100%. And there's blame on these anonymous lawyers running the estate and it's not like estates can't own football teams we've seen it in the nfl so they completely botched this six ways to sunday we'll just have to see how quickly the new ownership can uh, get in and try and fix up this mess if i won this lotto 649 i would take a charter to montreal quebec 
or Quebec, like people like to say, and I would buy the Owls, baby. And you would piss it away faster than you can imagine. Oh, yeah. And I would turn that roster into one horrible roster to give the Riders an even better chance of winning the gravy. Knight Nelson, Scalbania all over again. Coming up a little bit later, we'll hear from Glenn Suter and the coach, Craig Dickinson. You're listening to the Sports Cage on The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. It's 4.32 with your sports ticker. A lot of great signings happening today here in Ryderville. Quarterback Trevor Harris is officially a member of Ryder Nation. So is his running mate from Montreal, receiver Jake Weineke. A a familiar face, rather, returns to Ryderville as well as defensive tackle Micah Johnson signs with the green and white. And these next couple, very exciting ones because, well, we didn't hear much speculation about them uh, this past week. Speedy receiver Sean Bain Jr. has signed with the Rough Riders. He had a nice year last year with the Calgary. Stampeders and offense alignment. Uh, who we just had on the sports cage, by the way, uh, in the 3 o'clock hour. Peter Godber is now uh, on his way to Regina. So Peter Godber looks like he will be pencil, uh, penciled in to be the starting center for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2023. He started all 18 regular season games and uh, two playoff games at center for the BC Lions in 2022. And earlier this morning, the Riders also signed American wide receiver Kalaja Lipscomb. More coming up across the league in the CFL report in a few moments. Tuesdays, a CFL free agent CFL report. Also signing with the Rough Riders, offensive lineman Philip Philip Blake. And how about a nice uh, wide receiver signing? Jawan Breskison is on his way to Ryderville. So another two great signings there for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Elsewhere across the CFL, once again, the league is now the owner of the Montreal Alouettes. The league tweeted out a statement this morning just before the start of free agency. So the headline kind of buried. But uh, across the league as well, the reigning MOP runner-up lands with the Elks. Wide receiver Geno Lewis signs in Edmonton and also former Riders receiver Kyran Moore has signed with the Elks and former Ticat receiver Stephen Dunbar Jr. has also signed in Edmonton. So the double E stacking up on some receiver talent today. Wide receiver Kenny Lawler, he's back in Winnipeg. Former Alouette defensive back Darius Pickett has signed in Toronto. Quarterback Dominic Davis has signed in B.C. Ottawa making some nice moves today. The Red Blacks have signed all-star linebacker Javon Santos-Knox and former Riders linebacker Gary Johnson Jr. and former Ticats defensive back Cariel Brooks has also signed on the dotted line in the nation's capital. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second round, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of Time for press coverage as former Ryder Greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. And Glenn Suter does join us on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You know, I've been thinking about this all afternoon. We'll get to the O-line and some of the other stuff, but um, all through this process, Glenn, it's felt to me like the Alouettes and held a yard sale and invited nobody but the Rough Riders to show up. Doesn't it kind of feel like that in a sense? Yeah, it does a little bit. And, you know, I, I think only Danny Machocha knows exactly how much, if any, he's been handcuffed. And I'm sure it has been a little bit, if not a lot, 
um, when it comes to this transition that we're seeing. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's been exaggerated at times, like it always is when it comes to, you know, they can't sign anybody and they can't, you know, and they just signed Cody Fajardo. So uh, it's not like they are completely restricted and cannot purchase any free agents and are just going to lose all of theirs. I mean, I just, that's not true. There, there was a ton of receivers for the, well, a couple, three now at least that I've seen that have left Saskatchewan this year. Saskatchewan wasn't having a yard sale. They just lost some free agents to other teams. So, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of, of both there. Um, the, the Montreal situation is a tricky one because, you know, I think the question has to be asked, you know, to be quite honest and, you know, up front is it has to be asked as, as, as thankful I think that Canadian Football League fans can be that the, the current ownership group that just, that just left, um, you know, really was uh, a bridge during a, one of the most challenging times in CFL history, which was the pandemic. And they were, you know, they were there to make sure bills were paid and, and didn't really, Sid Spiegel didn't really get a chance to even see his team play. So it's, it's really unfortunate. We don't know how, you know, how prosperous or how good that that ownership group could have been because of the pandemic but there was a choice to be made before the pandemic hit when it came to ownership groups in montreal and i think that question has to be asked was that the right choice and again no disrespect to this group that carried and and built that bridge but you know there were other groups available as they are now there's there's a handful of there's a bunch of groups that are really interested and the process the process is underway now to find new owners um that's the good news but the i think the question has to be asked to the commissioner you know like you you sold the team back in what was it 19 to a 90 plus year old gentleman you know i mean that there's there's some risks involved with that for sure. And, and, you know, as much as some of us want to err on the side of, hey, let's give credit where credit is due. They found somebody to come in and, like you said, pay the bills during the worst period in CFL history with the pandemic and everything yeah. else. But that that is a one inescapable truth, isn't it? You sold the franchise to somebody who'd be in charge, um, who was 88 years old, I think, at the time. And um, those questions needed to be asked then. What's going to happen if it, what about succession planning? Well, what happens in succession planning? It just doesn't sound like that question was ever asked, does it? Well, it just that's that's the issue. And then you know the second in command seemed to have been at least publicly was Gary Stern. And then you know I as as energetic as he was and has been, um, you know I'm I, I'm not sure from the outside looking in again without understanding and with all due respect and without understanding all the inner workings, you know, I just think that, you know, the actual running of the business 
suffers. So, you know, I think that has to be asked to the commissioner. He He's the only one who knew why he and the Board of Governors made that decision back then when they when they made this choice on ownership. And now they're facing it again. And, you know, again, the good news is there's examples like the Mar Doman in Vancouver that can now be the new template for new owners and how they're going to approach it. I think there's other, the, the groups that are looking at Montreal right now that we've heard of, and there's not been a lot of names come out but yet, but it will in the next couple of weeks and months. Um, you know, I, I think they can tap into and look at the Vancouver situation in just one year and how much it improved and the commitment from Amar Doman and say, there is a path to success here. And now we just have to execute it. So, so I think there is, is still some good news in, you know, what was not only uh, um, an unfortunate story, but it was also terrible timing on the exact same day of free agency. And I, I don't know if that was done purposely or it just had to happen that way or whatever. But today was supposed to be a day about where are the players going, let's talk about the players. And, you know, we've spent half of this hit already talking about ownership. Yeah, we would have had lots of time to uh, talk about all this in the months leading up to this or or even the months ahead. Uh, we'll we'll beat that dead horse a little bit more in Hour 3 when we uh, go to Montreal. Um, one thing that we really didn't talk about much at all yesterday uh, was the issues with the offensive line and uh, the riders confirming that they've inked um, Canadian tackle Philip Blake, pretty good player, uh, came from the Argos, just won a great cup. And Peter Godber is the new center. He confirmed on the cage a little bit earlier. He's coming over from the BC Lions. You know, it's really hard to pinpoint how much of last year's sack woes were strictly on the shoulders of the offensive line, how much of it was on Cody, how much of it was on receivers, uh, running backs, schemes, etc., etc. What we've seen here today tells me that the Rough Riders are saying, we don't have time to figure out if the offensive line we had last year is suitable or not. We're making changes now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I I I think these are excellent signings. First of all, the two players you just mentioned, outstanding, great football players. But uh, you know, in in the world that seems to be all about analytics and numbers, let me throw out a couple of numbers. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ballpark it at the issues on the O line or the issues in protection for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last year could be split up like this: thirty three percent on not having good enough players, 33% on quarterback decisions, 33% on coaching and putting together schemes that would help the O-line. So let's let's spread out the issue equally because those are the three elements. Now, the players that were there last year aren't terrible football players. They were good football players that didn't get it together didn't have the right scheme or the right quarterback decision-making process going on behind them. Maybe the tailbacks at times weren't, you know, schooled enough to be able to make the blocks they needed to make. And we, you add that all up and say, these are good players. Philip Blake, um, you know, the, 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 the players that they're signing right now are good players that will create competition in camp, which is most important. And then... It has to all coordinate with quarterback, release, scheme, um, playing together, chemistry, 
all of that and and the tailbacks and receivers all have to buy in too. And so when when you when you put it all together, this is an important step for the riders to get quality players and to change it up. Because let's be honest, perception wise, they had to tell the rider fans we're making changes on the O line. We're going to make that a you know that's a perception thing because good players are leaving and good players are joining. So will it be improved by 50%, 15%, 10%? That depends on that combination we just talked about. Glenn Sitter joins us for Western Pizza. Dine in, take out or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Uh, Glenn, we look at this and we see that the Rough Riders wanted a different quarterback. That seemed clear from the get-go. They got it. They wanted to retool the O-line. They've now done that. Overall, can we safely sit here to sit, sit here today and suggest that the Rough Riders are the big winner on free agency day one? I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna like with withhold overall judgment of winners and losers, and that's it's hard to even peg that even you know in the off season. But you know, on Thursday we'll do another hit, and on Thursday we can see where the dust all settles. But I really like in day one what Jeremy O'Day has done, and I, you know, I. Honestly, if I if I didn't think it was a you know well executed game plan here, I, I would tell you. Um, I'm I'm not trying to do it just because I'm on Saskatchewan radio, but I think he's done a good job. He's he's brought in some good offensive linemen. He is he you know Micah Johnson is part of that discussion. If I'm not mistaken, we barely even talked about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that he's yeah, coming back. That's, yeah. That's, Another that's a that's a great one in the interior of the D line. You know, if if there are a whole bunch of people, and I and I wouldn't put myself in this category, but if there was a whole bunch of people, you know, that thought the interior of the D line when they lost some players uh, was the reason that the team struggled, well, they just got one of the top interior D linemen back. So. And he'll be, you know, healthy and still got a lot of football in him. So, so I, yeah, I, I think to answer your question, get right back to it is Jeremy O'Day's done a nice job. He, you know, he's addressed already some of the issues that, um, you know, that caused them issues last year, that caused them problems last year. Now, now I want to see how their receiving core is going to settle in too, because Justin McKinnis is out, uh, Duke Williams is out, you know, uh, Kyron Moore. Uh, it's going to be a very different look there. What is what is uh, Trevor Harris got to work with? Hey, Glenn, this question hasn't been asked uh, yet. Maybe it's too early to ask this question, but uh, just looking ahead here, so the Rough Riders have a new quarterback, pretty much a brand-new offensive line, it's looking like, a new offensive coordinator, uh, some new receiver pieces. How long do you think – uh, is this going to take in training camp or throughout the regular season for this to all come together on offense? Because, you know, it's it's not like picking up the same offense with the same personnel from the prior year. I mean, this is like a bunch of new gadgets thrown together at once, but it's not like we haven't seen it before. It just seems like a whole lot going on, a whole bunch of different pieces all coming together. What? How long do you think that will take? Hopefully yeah, not a whole season. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. No, it's a great it's a great question because you know, we are we are so used to just um looking to resumes and saying, you know, we've got a lot of really experienced guys, so therefore our team will be really good to start the season. 
Um, that, you know, I don't think that's ever actually been tracked as to whether or not that's true or not. I don't think we've ever tracked that. But it is sort of what we do in football and hockey. Well, they've got great experience, so they'll be great to start. I, I don't think that really I mean you let me let me put it this way you need experience on the field that Trevor Harris as your starting quarterback seen it done it knows what he likes knows what he doesn't like knows the game he's like a Zach Kolaris type of guy who understands the nuance of Canadian football if you had a guy that didn't know at that position in the huddle that's where I would be more concerned that it'll take longer because you just don't know if the new quarterback who touches the ball every play on offense is going to understand the nuance of Canadian football if he's an American quarterback. So that that part is not an issue. And the fact that there's a whole bunch of youth in that room, whether it's the quarterback room or like youth as far as working together for the first time is what I mean. Hmm. If That's not necessarily a negative. And, and again, I, I'm not cheerleading here. I, I, honestly, you can work together to build the right system for what you have. And when everybody's starting from a fresh start, that makes that process way easier because you don't have an old dog that you can't teach new tricks. But now Trevor Harris can work with a new offensive coordinator, can work with new receivers and say, here, this is what I like. Let's start there. Because and that's not a that's not a selfish thing. That's the quarterback pulling the trigger. Let's start there, and then he and the coaching staff work on that program. And then all the receivers are fresh faced and looking wide eyed and saying, "I'm ready to learn." And let's go. How long it takes, I, I don't know. Impossible to predict. But it's not a negative that they're working together. Like there's a lot of new faces working together as long as you have experience at the quarterback position. Well, we can debate all afternoon, and I'm sure we will for months, um, whether these changes will give the Rough Riders more wins on the football field, if it will correct what ailed them the last 11 games of the season. But what I think we would all probably agree on is interest in the green and white has been rejuvenated in the last 48 hours in a big way. We will continue to watch with added interest and talk to you again later in the week. Suits? Thanks for this. Go enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Thank you, gentlemen. Take Thanks. care. Thanks, Glenn. Okay, that is Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Time to break. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage. And uh, by the way, don't forget to send us any questions that you might have for the coach, as we will have the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, text us on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line, 306-936-6262. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It is the Valentine's Day edition of the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Uh, coming up in Hour 3, we will hear from the coach on the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers, and we will go out to Montreal to try and set the scene for what the heck is going on with the Alouettes and their ownership situation. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't 
point out that this is Valentine's Day, and uh, I know Zinger, you were throwing out the puns yesterday. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I walked past reception as I was coming in, um, and I was hearing someone talk about how their significant other was going to cook for them. Will you be cooking for your significant other uh, for Valentine's Day? No, unfortunately, uh, I will be not. I will be in studio performing Zinger at night live and in living color. The Zinger Lounge. Yes. So, uh, but the CFL free agents, they're feeling some love today, huh? A lot of money getting thrown around. I mean, man, Gino Lewis, 300 and what, $20,000 for a receiver? Like, I don't know. I don't know, Chris Jones. Uh, I'm questioning Chris Jones. That is that is weird to me. But, uh, hey, not our team. Who cares about the Elks? He's, uh, I don't know, he's a good player. And and honestly, it doesn't sound like a oh, lot yeah, of money. Oh, yeah, he's a great, well, like, it, best receiver in the league, man. It doesn't sound like a lot of money, let's be honest, because we hear all the time about NFL free agents. And oh, so yeah, that, but up here, that's a lot of moolah. <laughs> that's a lot of moolah, for sure. Um, l- looking at the free agency overall, I think it's worked out very well for Saskatchewan. And I don't know, I was going to ask, what about the loss of Duke Williams? Yeah, the news is that he's uh, signing in Hammertown. He's going to be a Hamilton Tiger Cat. And I don't think... uh, There's no way that you can miss Duke Williams based on his production that he had last year. He was either throwing a tantrum, getting big-time penalties, or he just wasn't uh, out there playing. I mean, the only thing I think of when I think of Duke Williams from last year is him eating a nacho or two in the end zone. Outside of that, it was you know, him bashing a helmet on the East Coast in the Maritimes against, uh, I can't remember what Argonaut he got into it with. Edwards. Yeah, bottom line is you're you're not going to miss Duke Williams, especially his production this past year. Uh, Looking at what the Riders are doing at their receiver position, I mean, I think they're going to be just fine. I mean, the latest one that came in, Juwan Breskison, and you look at his stat line from last year, you're going to think, what what the hell is Zinger talking about? This guy is not replacing Duke Williams. That's not what I'm saying, though. Like We have a lot of great talent across the board. Uh, the Riders brought in that speedy receiver from the, Cal- or, uh, from the Calgary Stampeders uh, today, which is, which is going to work out good for them. Uh, Sean Bain Jr. I'm speaking of. Yeah, so. definitely not Breskison. Breskison's last big year was 2018. What about Jake Wieneke? I mean, yeah, touchdown Jake, who had an off year in Montreal, so maybe they get him at a discount. I don't know, uh, relative to the whole marketplace. But one thing, I'm glad Suits brought up Micah Johnson. We really haven't talked about him all afternoon. But but the other big hole or glaring issue was that we all like to blame Garrett Marino and his antics for why the season went in the toilet last year. But the fact of the matter is they had a much better record with him in the lineup than they did without him. The fact they've re-signed Anthony Lanier, the fact they've re-signed Texas Pete Robertson, and now they've added Micah Johnson. Is that enough to solidify the interior of that D-line now that they don't have Garrett Marino and they haven't been successful since they lost Garrett Marino. Yeah, I think like as far as starting players go, but you always need you like you're only a player or two away from losing. Like you're going to throughout the season you're going to have an injury or two, right? So I think they got to work on the depth a bit, but on paper those guys, I mean, they stay healthy. Pistol Pete and Anthony Lanier the second, you kidding me? With Micah Johnson's presence in the middle? No, I know the last time we had Micah Johnson it was a couple of years a couple of years back now, right? So he's a couple of years older and stuff. But I, I think I think the D line's looking pretty good. I'm I'm mostly excited about the offensive line, though. I think today 
if I were to put a star beside one position group today that has been upgraded, for sure. I mean, Peter Godber, Philip Blake along the offensive line, that's exactly what I think Ryder fans were waiting to see, and we got it today, which is a huge plus. Getting a Canadian who can play tackle like Philip Blake can do, that's huge, Mm -hmm. huge. And uh, even if they can turn it into a ratio changer for them. That would be huge, too, because then you can add another American along the receiving core, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. um, Send your questions into the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at 306-936-6262. Also, you can ask your questions through Twitter, the Sports Cage Twitter handle, at Sports Cage. The Craig Dickinson... Craig Dickinson. The Craig Dickinson Show is next. You're listening to the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And boy, oh boy, are we excited for this. On day one of CFL Free Agency 2023, the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. Coach, thanks for joining us. I'm sure it's been a busy day for you. What does a day of free agency look like for you? I know that general managers and their minions are scurrying around. What about for you as the coach? Uh, what what was today like for you? What was your routine? Hey, you know, it wasn't, first of all, Brennan, thanks for having me. Um, it wasn't really much different than any other day. I watched a little bit of film from last year. I watched a little bit of film on some of these guys that, that we were still, you know, in talks with and still talking about bringing. But for the most part, uh, Jeremy and Kyle Carson, they they take care of this, and the work was already pretty much done. So I was able to just kind of sit back and enjoy today. It's been a great day. Are you breathing a sigh of relief, given the fact that a lot of the things that everybody said – sorry, boxes that a lot of people thought you needed to check, such as at quarterback, offensive line, uh, have been checked. Are you, are you breathing a sigh of relief today that it has gone probably about as well as it could have? Yes, I am, but we put a lot of work into this. You know, that that's one thing. I mean, I, again, i got to tip my hat off to Jeremy O'Day, Kyle Carson, uh, Paul Jones. They've been working on this really since the season ended, and and the coaching staff has as well. You know, we went through every single player in our position groups and graded them and watched them, and and uh, so we were prepared for agency. Now it could go sideways on you in a hurry, but the reality is there's only so much money each team has. So we really felt like we could get in the game on a on a couple of big ones, and we were able to do it. So um, lots lots of good things happening today, and I think a lot of the credit needs to go to Jeremy and in the football operations department. With the Montreal players who have been added, um, Trevor Harris at quarterback, Jake Winicky at receiver, I'm sure um, Andre Bulduc will maybe have an even more important role uh, with, with uh, that addition. Does it in some ways kind of feel like the Alouettes hosted a yard sale and only invited you guys? I mean, does it kind of feel that way with uh, the way you guys have been able to penetrate that offense? Well, not really. Uh, here's we we liked Trevor Harris, and we went hard after Trevor. And as soon as you get him, um, there's other dominoes that are going to fall. So we, I really feel like by by going all in on Trevor and really showing that we were very serious about adding him, and we felt like he would do a lot of good things, not just in terms of his play, but also the leadership he brings. I think other guys saw that and wanted to be a part of it. So um, some of that 
credit needs to go to Trevor as well. When we spoke with Kelly Jeffrey, the new offensive coordinator, right after he was hired back in December, I kept listening to him talk about how he wanted the quarterback with the quick release, the quick, easy completions. And the more he talked and about his relationship with uh, Coach Milanovic on, for the 2020 season that never happened in Edmonton and how they would have had Trevor Harris, I just kept thinking over and over, Trevor Harris sounds like the perfect tailor-made guy for this offense. At what point in time did you decide he was the number one guy that you were going to target? Well, we once we knew free agency was coming, we felt like there was a, some tiers of quarterbacks. And we had Trevor in the top tier. Um, he wasn't alone. We thought there was a couple of guys in that tier. But we really liked Trevor right from the get-go. And uh, liked him a lot a couple years ago, too, uh, when, when he was available. But um, he's just that sort of guy. And well, the other thing we liked about him, uh, not only myself, but Kelly, is how hard he works. You know, he's out there training with with new trainers every year. He's going to see quarterback coaches that can work with him on his delivery and his mechanics. So there's a lot to like about Trevor Harris. He's got experience. Uh, He's not a young kid anymore, but I think his body's in great shape. Mentally, he's very tough. And uh, he just seemed like a good fit right from the get-go when we started talking about quarterbacks that would be available and we had our staff hired. Uh, Jake Winicky, this will be the last Montreal question I have for you. Um, had a bit of a down year last season, and of course, there's all the uncertainty that everybody's talking about with Montreal's ownership situation. Do you feel like this was a perfect time to maybe get a bargain on a player like that? Yeah, I, we, we liked him. We liked him all along, and uh, we, we, we were after him last year, to be quite honest with you. We w- weren't able to get him, but we liked him last year as well. So we'd had some good visits with him when we were able to last year and then this year when the window was open I had just tremendous conversations with him he's really our kind of guy he's all about team works hard um, you know says everything you want to hear from a player and and the production's there as well so uh, didn't have the year he had uh, a couple years ago last year but we think his best football still ahead of him and we're thrilled to have him Saskatchewan Rough Rider head coach Craig Dickinson joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out or delivery, get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. We'll get to your texts on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Still ahead here in Hour 3, we'll go to Montreal to learn more about the Alouette's ownership situation. Uh, but right now, we'll car- carry on with the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. Uh, Zinger, you have some texts. People want to know some things about the offensive line and would like to ask the coach. Yes, Jason's on the text line from Balgoni, Saskatchewan. Hey, coach, any possible word on Brett Jones? Uh, nothing really, no. I mean, we certainly reached out and did a lot of due diligence before free agency. Um, but uh, he's got some stuff going on. He wants to be a doctor. And I think um, he's still waiting on some of that. So uh, that's where it's at. We we certainly visited with him and, and reached out a number of times and have been communicating with him. But he's just not quite ready to commit to playing football just yet. And we got Zion on the text line. He says, uh, great work so far, Coach. Love what you have been doing. I just want to know if you are looking at any other wide receivers or defensive ends or any other players that you're still trying to sign that aren't signed yet. You know, yet. we feel pretty good, uh, Zion. We're, we're in good shape right now. You know, we, we had some areas of need that we addressed, and 
now it's really just about is there some some uh, value and some some backup positions, maybe some special team sort of guys. That's our main focus right now. Uh, Peter's on the text line. Peter from Lumsden. Peter says, uh, what can you tell us about Peter Godbert? Well, Godbert was a guy that we had we'd targeted early on. He's, he's played guard and center. We liked him when he came out in the draft. He, he played at Rice University, so he played in a good uh, NCAA school down in Texas. And uh, he was a guy we felt like if we could get him, he would upgrade us at that position and give us give us some uh, experience and some uh, some stability inside. So we feel like he can play center or guard. We had Peter on the show a little bit earlier, and uh, he's a great interview. He sounds really excited to come to Saskatchewan. Um, he confirmed for us he will be the starting center. That's his understanding. Um, can you tell us anything about the future plans for Dan Clark? Really can't go there because he's you know he's. Uh, He's um, a free agent, and he's free to do what he wants. Um, we'll we'll try to cross that bridge when we get there. But I know he wants to play next year, whether it be in Saskatchewan or somewhere else. I know that's what he's probably focusing on right now. Philip Blake, um, fresh off a Grey Cup championship, and um, he's going to c- come to your football team. And last year you played. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you played the whole season with two import tackles. Uh, do you see the possibility existing now where you could get away with just one import tackle, maybe? That is true, yep. You must have read our minds, Brendan, because that's what we were thinking. That's what I do, Coach. Yeah, he played left <laughs> tackle for Toronto all year and did a really nice job. In fact, was the left tackle in the Grey Cup. So we knew he has, you know, we know he has the ability to play tackle, and if we can do that, that gives us all sorts of roster flexibility. Now, we still want to find a good American tackle. That's a goal. But but now it isn't necessarily through free agency. Now we can go ahead and sign some guys that are that are new to the league, and hopefully one of them turns out to be a really good tackle along with Phillip. Kind of ironic, isn't it, that you might actually improve your offensive line with one less import? I mean, that seems kind of strange from the outside. Yeah. but Hey, we'll do whatever it takes to get better. and. Uh, Canadian, American, global, however they line up, or whatever their nationality, we want to put the best 12 out there. Well, you can, yeah, it'll help you. You can actually make sure you keep Canadian kickers if you put an Australian uh, on the offensive line. Um, looking <laughs> lo- looking at the receiving core, uh, no more Duke, no more Shaq, no more Swerve, Kyron Moore. Um, are you going to need Sean Bain Jr. and maybe Mario Alford to be that game-breaker? Yeah, I mean, we're going to need some guys to step up for sure. You know, we feel good about Tevin Jones. Uh, we also feel good about uh, Jester Wee, who finished the year with us last year. But it's a young group. I mean, you look at that group, and it's a young group. Uh, I feel like we got very good Canadians in that group with signing Breskison and, and, you know, having Lennius, Schaefer-Baker, and Emilis and Picton on board as well. But as far as the Americans of the receiving group, it's going to be fairly inexperienced, at least in uh, Saskatchewan. So we're going to need some guys to step up. and um, We feel like it's a good group, and we're excited to get to work with them. Hey, Coach Craig on the text line, uh, Greg rather on the text line, says, is it time to give up on St. John and get a younger Canadian lineman? Well, St. John is in Edmonton now, so I don't know if, you might have to ask them about that. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. But uh, we didn't give up on him. We offered him a contract. He felt like he wanted to go to Edmonton, and so we wish him all the best. Just reading the questions, Brandon McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> the people want to know. <laughs> 
It, uh, I, I would think, you know, for months we kicked around all the worst case scenarios and it just rattled around. It's like I told you um, before Christmas, hashtag isn't May yet is a familiar refrain in these parts. And when you think of all the what if scenarios, um, do, you, do you feel a big sigh of relief given the way it has turned out? I mean, this could this could have been much more rough than it has been for uh, for you, o- uh, Mr. O'Day, and everybody else uh, down in the Ryder offices. Yeah, yeah, we we feel very fortunate, but like I said earlier, Brandon, we, we worked really hard on free agency this year. I think we were aggressive. Uh, we, we had uh, very clear goals and, and expectations going into it. We knew we had to get better up front on both offense and defense, and we knew we had to to go after Trevor Harris. And when we did get Trevor Harris, I think a lot of things fell into place. And I think people people see Saskatchewan still as a great place to be, uh, a great city to, to play football in and to live in. And I think um, the momentum we've got from free agency hopefully continues on and, and builds up and, and, and continues with us during the season. It's been a great day, and, and we think it's going to be a good season this next year. I remember sitting in the basement of Mosaic Stadium after the last regular season game of the year, and someone asked you, what are the main priorities? And you talked about offensive line and defensive line. Um, we've we've talked about the O-line, and on the defensive side, and I'm embarrassed I don't have it in front of me, but the record with Garrett Marino in the lineup last year was staggering compared to the record without him. And you had mentioned the interior of the defensive line and that pass rush as being a major priority. Um, you managed to re-sign Texas Pete Robertson. You managed to re-sign Lanier. And now you've got Micah Johnson. How are you feeling about the interior of that pass rush today? Feeling feeling pretty good about it. You know, that's, that's a key, and uh, you know we feel also very good about the guys we had last year, Miles Brown and, and Demarcus Christmas, as well as Charbel DeBeer. So we've got we've got some size in there, we got some experience, you know, uh, and we feel like we got some good players on the edge. So anytime your defensive line plays well, it makes it a lot easier on the rest of the defense. So I'm super pleased with the way free agency went for not only our offensive line but their defensive line as well. And sneaking into one more question here, Rhonda's on the text line. Rhonda says, what went into your guys' decision into bringing back uh, Micah Johnson? Well, he was available. We didn't think he would be. And he's got experience playing in Saskatchewan, and he had a pretty darn good year. You know, we did a lot of study on him and, and watched a lot of film. And he's still, he's still a darn good football player. So we felt like if we could add him to an already pretty good defensive front and an already pretty deep defensive front that we would and that was one of our priorities going into free agency get better on the defensive line and anytime you can add a an all-star caliber player and Micah Johnson you want to do it so it was a it was an aggressive move by Jeremy but I really tip my cap to him I'm, I'm thrilled we got him and looking forward to getting rolling okay let's forget about all that free agency stuff now uh, you have many NFL connections what did you think of the Super Bowl loved it Great game, um, you know, lots of lots of back and forth. I think you saw a real gutty performance by Kansas City, and uh, just a very entertaining game—a game that I thoroughly enjoyed from from start to finish. 
You know, I, I see those offensive formations that Andy Reid does where they do the ring around the rosy and all that and break out of the huddle, and it looks terrific, and I sometimes think in my mind, could you not do that in the CFL where you've got a little less restriction on running motions? Do you ever think about that when you see those kind of plays that they pull out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can do that, and and, uh, and I think I think you'll see some of that this next year. I, I think... The, you know, the one thing Andy Reid, I'll give him this, he, he makes it fun for the guys. You can just see that. I mean, the ring around the rosy, I mean, that was, I'm sure the players just took that on their own and said, well, let's go ahead and do, a, do it this way. When the reality was they could have just stayed in the huddle and broke and it would have had the same effect. So <laughs> I just give Andy Reid a lot of credit. He says, hey, I don't care how you do it, but it's got to be a little bit confusing for the defense. And then we get into this formation and then we go with it. So um, Andy Reid thought he did an outstanding job in that game you could tell he he had a lot of answers that second half and they uh you know they were the better team for sure hey so it's tuesday and already getting kind of sick of talking about this part of the super bowl but i have to ask you do you do you think that was a penalty coach craig dickinson or uh what was your initial gut reaction watching the game you know my initial reaction was yeah he tugged on him you know a lot of times it doesn't get called and sometimes it does so I mean, I had to answer this question a thousand times myself. But when you're playing on the edge, right, when you put it in the official's hands, you get some calls and sometimes you don't. So uh, I don't see a big uh, anything to, to cause an uproar over that. It was called, and there's, there's plenty of times where that's not called, but I believe he did hold him. And as a result, it gave Kansas City the ability to take it all the way down and kick a field goal at the end. So that's the way football is. The, the great the great games are decided by just minuscule things, and that was one of those things. Finally, somebody agrees with me on this, that you don't just let them play. You keep calling the rules right to the very end. Hey, I've been asking everybody else this question, so I'll ask you this as well. Um, some of us Canadians who love the CFL have a bit of an inferiority complex, and we like to think that the CFL is not inferior to the National Football League. Um, I believe that, yes, the athletes, for the most part, are better down there because of the money, the training. Um, a linebacker runs a 40-yard a dash quicker than a CFL linebacker does. And uh, in some cases, not in Saskatchewan, but in some cases the coaching is maybe superior in the NFL. That's debatable. And, but the rules are not. When I saw that game, I thought, wow, the CFL rules, the three downs, the clock stopping, could have saved that finish. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I think our rules, especially the end of the game and end of the half, the, the last three minutes, are designed to really create exciting finishes. So, um, yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with you on that. The one thing I do like about the NFL is they traditionally don't call as many penalties, you know, notwithstanding that last holding. Uh, but I do think up in the CFL we have some uniqueness, especially in the last three minutes of a game, that, that make it more exciting at the finish. Couldn't agree with you more. Great job, Coach. Checks in the mail. Go enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and the rest of your week. You guys take care of yourselves. Appreciate you. Thanks, Craig. Okay. That is the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. I love visiting with the coach. I don't think, you know, you could debate his coaching ability or his decisions or how he handles certain situations, but I don't think you can debate. There's not a more folksy, more accommodating, or better interview in the Canadian Football League, at least among the head coaches, than one Craig Dickinson. And I know fans 
don't care about that as much as wins and losses, but I think it matters a little bit, even to the fan base here in Regina. Time to break. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. 531 with the sports ticker and it's brought to you by Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage doors so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Well, the Montreal Alouettes, they have their quarterbacks for the 2023 season. It's officially official. The Alouettes have signed quarterback Cody Fajardo and former Red Black pivot Caleb Evans on Tuesday. The reigning MOP runner-up lands with the Elks. Wide receiver Geno Lewis signs in Edmonton and also former Riders receiver Kyron Morris signed with the Elks and former Ticat receiver Stephen Dunbar Jr. has also signed in Edmonton. So a lot of money going around at the receiver position in the city of champions. Wide receiver Kenny Lawler is back in Winnipeg. That's no surprise there. That news came down a few short days ago, but it's official in Winnipeg. Former Alouette defensive back Darius Pickett has signed in Toronto. Quarterback Dominic Davis has signed in BC. Ottawa making some nice moves today. Check this out. The Red Blacks have signed all-star linebacker Javon Santos-Knox and former Riders linebacker Gary Johnson Jr. and former Ticats defensive back Harry Al Brooks has also signed on the dotted line in the nation's capital. Chat for the Canadian Brew House. Enjoy Valentine's Surf and Turf for two for only $69.99 on February 14th, which is today, starting at 6 p.m. only at the CBH. Exciting night it was on Monday in the Queen City as it was the Western Pizza Have a Heart Night and players from the Regina Pats participated at all Western Pizza locations across Regina helping to deliver with a percentage of the proceeds going towards the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Pats forward Braxton Whitehead ahead of last night's festivities. I'll be in the North Albert location, so just right there off of Ring Road. Um, Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. Very good. Nice to uh, get out and be able to connect with fans, I bet, after all we've been through the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. I know uh, me and my teammates are super excited to be out there and helping, you know, for a good cause. And, you know, to meet the the fans, obviously, is huge for us, and we love doing that. So, yeah, we're super excited. Talking about you guys on the ice uh, in the month of February, just one regulation loss in the last five games. Look like Looks like you guys have your mojo back. You've moved up from eighth up to sixth. Uh, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, you'd face Saskatoon in the first round. I think given some of the worst-case scenarios that were being kicked around after Christmas, you must feel pretty good about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the locker room, we're all ecstatic, and we're, you know, we're excited to get out on the ice and practice, you know, get better every single day. And I think that's showing in our games for sure. So, yeah, we're super excited to be moving up in the standings and uh, we, we, you know, we want to keep doing so. So, yeah. I, I know there are many great players on that lineup, and um, I, I'm never a big fan of everybody just thinking of one name or one guy. I remember traveling around with the Windsor Spitfires many moons ago when a 15-year-old John Tavares was playing with the Oshawa Generals, and everywhere he went, everybody just flocked to him. And I remember they asked us on Media Row, hey, do you guys want to go talk to Johnny T after he gets through these seven interviews? And we kind of looked at each other and just said, no, nah, I think we'll just sit back and we'll just let the circus leave town and let him do his thing. Um, but having said all 
all that. Do you and your teammates ever look around at each other and think, wow, we're going to look back on this and remember watching everything happening with 98 or number 98 and the circus around it in 15, 20 years from now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every single day, you know, I think we're, we're trying to cherish it as much as we can. You know, he's a super special player. Definitely the most creative and, you know, gifted player that I've ever played with. And I'm lucky to have the opportunity to do so. So, I mean, yeah, every single day we try and learn and take as much as we can away from having him around us. And, um, yeah, it's super special that he's here. And, you know, I'm really thankful to be able to say I played on his team. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Special Valentine's Day edition of the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, a main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Do you Brennan feel McClure. the love in the air? I can feel the love in the air. Do you pick the music? Oh, yeah. Do you feel this groovy music? It's for Valentine's Day. It's a V-Day special. <laughs> By the way, you got the uh, the intros redone. Yes, I did, baby. And that's the um, Canucks PA announcer who yeah, does that? Yeah. Same that, guy? Yeah, that's Mr. Al Murdoch. He also did the Winter Classic this year at Fenway Park. He did the NHL All-Star game this year. They parachuted him in. Yes, they did. The guy's got a Megatron-type voice. That's what I'm talking about. He's the main guinea, yeah. as uh, Silvio used to say on The Sopranos. Oh, I lie. <laughs> Man, that was a great show. So the uh, <clears throat> big story other than free agency is the Bush League gong show that's been created by the commissioner of the Canadian Football League over the ownership mess that is the Montreal Alouettes that have cost the Alouettes and their fan base any realistic opportunity of keeping their number one quarterback or any of their best receivers around to build any momentum whatsoever off of what Danny Machocha started late last year or give Jason Moss even a fighting chance in his new locale and we just felt like it would be fitting to find somebody in Montreal who follows the Alouettes to make some sense of this and we go to the Western Pizza Hotline to talk to Montreal Alouettes Flight Deck podcaster Clifford D. Pine. Cliffy, hello. How are you taking in Valentine's Day? Uh, do you have to cook for someone or is someone cooking for you? Unfortunately, no. I, I guess it has to be self-love at this point because I will have to heat up my... Aww. Wow, wow, wow. Cliffy, come over for some Western pizza, my man. You know, when, when, when all my friends were here for Grey Cup, um, they were saying, Brennan, what, what's the local spot? And I was throwing out all these different names. And two of them said, oh, I can't wait to try that Western pizza. And I didn't realize that this was just a Saskatchewan thing. I thought it was all over Western Canada. So... I was proven oh. wrong. Well, it, it's so funny because uh, I was at Grey Cup too, as you know, and a lot of people were like, well, did you get the Western pizza? I'm like, uh, I knew I forgot something. And you then, missed out on it. You could you could I, be I like that. Shame. Well, you could be like that couple from Windsor, Ontario. That um, I forget what it was called. There was some pizza place in Windsor. They loved it. They moved here to Regina, and Super Bowl weekend they decided to get it purulated to their door. So purulator does deliver from Regina to Montreal. Just so you know, Cliffy, if you want your pizza that way. Okay, oh. noted, noted. <laughs> so this uh, this ownership thing, um, you know, Ryder fans get pretty grouchy when their team is trying to win and they fail. I can just imagine what an Alouettes fan feels 
inside when their team's not even trying to win, not even trying to get free agents. Does this remind Montrealers in any way of the uh, fire sale that happened with the Expos after the strike of 94? Because I have to think there are some parallels being drawn with what's happened over the last 72 hours. Well, the only... the, the big difference between 1994's Expo's fire sale and what's happening currently right now in free agency is at least in the fire sale, Montreal got some assets back. They got, they got some draft picks. They, they got something to work with. I mean, yeah, it basically was just a bloodletting more than anything else as far as letting superstars leave. And in a sense, that's kind of what's happened with Montreal is, yeah, the superstars that made up this team at Hope Got to get this team within one game of a great cup appearance, and now they're going elsewhere. Guys like Trevor Harris, now a member of Ryder Nation, Gino Lewis going to the Elks, uh, and, and even TD Jake going to the Saskatchewan too. It, it's incredible. I, I, I mean, and all of this is potentially because ownership can't figure it out, can't get their act together. I mean, that's. I'm sorry, that's inexcusable, and I am beyond thankful for Alouette's fans that the league has basically stepped in and said, no, you, you can't run this team, then get the heck out of here, and we're going to find someone who can run this team properly in Montreal. When you were here for the Grey Cup, did you sit in on Randy Ambrosi's uh, media availability? I did. You did? Okay, so you'll remember the RDS guy asked him, it was one of the first questions asked, what can you tell us on the ownership situation in Montreal? And Randy said, quote, I spoke to the representatives who have said she's steady as she goes. We want to win football games and we want to entertain our fans. So he had no issues, no concerns, wouldn't go any deeper than that after what was a pretty good question that a lot of people have been wondering, and now this is what we're left with. I felt like when he made that response, in a lot of ways, he was hitching his wagon to the current group that's in charge in Montreal, and it has blown up spectacularly in his face. He's going to have some pretty serious answering to do, isn't he? We lose you, Cliff? Did we lose him? Okay. All right. We'll try to get Cliffy back on the line. Maybe I was too long-winded in my question. I'll try to shorten it up next time. But overall, I think that's where people are kind of pissed at the commissioner. It's not that he's to blame for the ownership woes that they have in Montreal. Again, when I grew up, there was no Montreal in the CFL because there was nobody who had money who would fund this thing. And I don't know that everybody should point fingers at Gary Stern either because he wanted to be part of the solution and he and his uber, uber rich father-in-law were willing to fund the losses through the pandemic. Before they even watched a game of their own team, it was reported that they lost ten, nine to $10 million. So we should all be grateful for that. It doesn't even bother me that he was texting and engaging with the fan base either because a lot of owners don't care enough to do that that's kind of a problem in the cfl that's what i love about jerry jones is the fact that he cares enough about his team 
that he does all those Bush League things, like be down on the sideline and do his radio appearances and say controversial things. So I actually thought the criticism that was directed at Gary Stern was unwarranted. If the worst thing that he ever did was send out some of these text messages that he's been sending, then the league would be in a lot better shape. But fact is, it blew up. It didn't work out. These things happen. I don't find that the most offensive thing about what's gone on here. The most offensive thing that's happened here is the fact that the public, the Alouette fans, where you're trying to sell the sport, were sold a bill of goods, and what the commissioner was selling ended up never coming to fruition. Uh, Cliffy, I think we have... Are you back? Do we have you on the line, Cliff? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. I think uh, Randy Ambrosi probably got wind of what I was saying and tried to silence me. <laughs> he muted you. Well, well, we haven't muted you. Um, I, I, I think he, he owes an explanation to the Montreal fan base over this, doesn't he, at the very least? Uh, not only an explanation, but I would even go as far as say an apology because, uh, again, it, to, to basically throw in with this group and promise that, you know, everything's great in Montreal and, you know, they, they did all the right things and all that. I mean, again, I, I'm never going to say that local ownership is the you know, the, the fix all to everything, uh, but it definitely helps. And I can't help but wonder if, okay, you, you've got these Toronto or Hamilton based guys that are wanting to own a team in Montreal. And again, if, I guess as long as the money's good, it's great. But I mean, how do you not realize you've got a, uh, a co-owner who's in his nineties and his health is not great and decide, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's hope this works out kind of thing. Let's hope he doesn't die, which unfortunately is what happened when the Beagle passed away. And Gary Stern, who became the face of the franchise, so to speak, as far as like the, the head mouthpiece of the ownership group, essentially is just the minority owner. So people are coming to him, expecting him to be like the grand poobah that will fix everything. But in all reality, he's got to report back to the estate. So it, it was just such a, a sordid mess more than anything else. And just trying to make sense of it was just uh, an exercise in patience. So I'm hearing a lot of people saying that you need local ownership in Montreal, but we've learned in the past that that hasn't always been needed. David Braley owned the BC Lions forever, and he bankrolled them, and that seemed to go okay, although he did a very piss-poor job at growing the brand on the West Coast. Um, Bob Wettenhall seems to have been a model owner. He never lived in Montreal. Um, Does it need to be local people who step in this time, do you think? Uh, not to split hairs, but Bob Wettenhall was actually based out of Vermont. So, I mean, not terribly far from Montreal, but I, I understand what you're saying. And, I mean, is it a, an absolute necessity to have local ownership? No, absolutely not. I mean, if you got responsible people that will make sure the bills are paid and make sure contracts are honored and that sponsors are happy, it doesn't matter where they come from. But I think really what it comes down to is Montrealers and Quebecers really do love the Alouette. And they want to see them see them do well and, and see them flourish. And maybe the thought is like, well, maybe people who were born and raised here and invested in the team that come from Quebec are going to see that through a lot more than somebody who's coming in from Ontario or the United States or wherever, really. Arash Madani doesn't sound too excited. We had him on in hour two, and uh, he doesn't seem to be thrilled about the idea of Cody Fajardo leading the Montreal Alouettes to a Grey Cup. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, he does have a great relationship with uh, Trevor uh, with uh, Jason Moss, so I'm curious to see if... It, I think the big knock on 
the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last year was the fact that there was no O-line to protect Cody, whereas now Cody is stepping behind some very talented O-line players. And if Jason Moss can make this work with Cody, now with a if that if that really was the pro- problem or the issue in Saskatchewan was the fact that there was no O line quote unquote, then it's going to work. Then then he'll be fine. But I mean, is this an experiment I was willing to take on? I'm honestly not sure. But here we are now. So let's let's see if that's truly is the case. Let's see if it really is a matter of Cody having to prove himself and prove that he is like what happened last year in Saskatchewan was just a blip on the radar and that he's not that quarterback that you, he actually is the quarterback that we saw in 2019 who got Ryder fans excited and helped lead Saskatchewan to the Western final. I, Montreal is a very different market from Saskatchewan um, for many, many reasons. Have you been able to gauge the reaction of other Alouette fans to everything that has happened in the last few weeks? It's been tough. I mean, Alouette fans right now are, very disenfranchised with a lot of what's been going on. Uh, pretty much starting from the, the simple notion that Danny Machocha wasn't allowed to speak with anyone during the uh, CFL tampering period, wasn't able to talk to and make any potential major deals happen. Uh, and just going back to going back to talking to guys like uh, Gino Lewis and Trevor Harris and not being able to do anything other than offer them what seems to be like the bare minimum, which would be an absolute slap in the face to those guys after what they did for you in 2022, all you can offer them is the bare minimum and kind of hope that they sign with you again. You can't do that. And fans realize that too. And if you're not putting in the effort to, to do that, and maybe it's truly it was the case where Danny Matocha's hands were tied because of the whole ownership kerfuffle, then it's understandable, but at the same time, it doesn't make it any less easier to take. And Alouette fans were just frustrated as to what the heck is going on. And now you've got all these rumors circulating about uh, ownership getting out and is, are they going to fold the team or who's, are they even going to play in 2023? Like, these are all things that Alouette fans do not want to hear. Like It just brings up bad memories of all the ridiculousness of the past. I'll even go so far as say 10 years. With the exception of 2019, most of from 2013 to now has been not great for the Montreal Alouette. And you get fans excited, you give them a little bit of hope and then you snatch it away because reasons no i'm sorry like they're, they're, i don't blame alos fans one bit for being not only upset and discouraged i don't blame them if they decide you know what maybe i don't want to spend money and buy season tickets maybe i don't want to buy merchandise maybe i don't want even want to go to games or even watch them on tv because why get excited about this team if you're just going to take it away from me i mean that's that's that really was the sentiment i was getting from a lot of fans over the past couple of weeks another thing that cfl fans probably didn't want to hear on free agent day was for them to wake up in the morning, open up their phones and see the news of this Montreal ownership. What do you make of the league waiting until today to announce the news? I know I'm beating a dead horse here. I've been talking about it all show long, but it kind of, you know, puts a sour taste in your mouth. It's supposed to be a good day today, you know, looking forward to different players on different teams. Do you think they did the right thing here by announcing it today? Why couldn't they do this last week? Even yesterday would have yes. been at least, you know, as, as you said, this is a, a huge day for CFL fans league-wide. And again, you you were already going through the whole nonsense of not being able to talk to or potentially make deals with pending free agents, only to come to find out that, oh, well, it's because the league's taking over the team again, and 
well, are they allowed? Are you, would they even be allowed to sign anybody? Like, it, like this could have been dealt with even two weeks ago. At least they given that reassurance that yes, you can still sign players, you can still make deals happen. I can't help but wonder if that were the case, would Trevor Harris have decided to go elsewhere? Would Eugene Lewis decide to stick around? We'll never know. Now it just comes across as like you know, closing the door after the barn, uh, closing the barn door after the horses have already left. Do you see Caleb Evans challenging Cody Fajardo for the starting spot, or do you think it's Cody Fajardo's spot to lose come training camp? No question. It's definitely his spot to lose. Uh, I think Evans will definitely be a challenging factor for him. I also think Davis Alexander, who played extremely well in preseason last year for the Owlets and solidified himself as the number three guy in Montreal, I definitely see him getting the opportunity to take things to the next level and it, it, it's kind of funny like I think about the San Francisco 49ers how they had their own quarterbacking woes and uh, their uh, Mr. Irrelevant ended up becoming a superstar so it's very possible I'm not going to compare Davis Alexander to Brock Purdy for example but I definitely think you, you never know where the next great quarterback in this league is going to come from and who knows maybe it's this guy who was you know practice roster for most of last year got a couple of reps towards the end of the season Maybe. Maybe this is the opportunity that Davis Alexander is looking for as well. And, again, Cody Fajardo, right now, he's the man. Right now, he's going to be the guy that everybody's looking towards. Cable Evans, we saw what he was able to do in Ottawa. Definitely a lot of potential there as well. It's a matter of can it be harnessed by Anthony Calvillo as his coach. But I'm telling you right now, folks, do not sleep on Davis Alexander. I think if given the right opportunity to shine, he will make every opportunity count and definitely will be someone to keep an eye on as the train camp opens in 2023. Davis Alexander, we will watch for that. The Alouette's Flight Deck podcast can be found on all major platforms, uh, podcast platforms, that is, and on YouTube or at www.alouettesflightdeck.ca. Cliffy D. Pine, you be kind to Cody Fajardo. Thanks for this, and uh, go enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day, your (laughs) self-love. Will do. Thank you so much. Okay, that is Montreal Alouette um, Flight Deck podcaster Clifford D. Pine. Time to break. We'll be back to wrap. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, February 14th, 1966. Wilt Chamberlain breaks the NBA scoring record at 20,884 points. And on this day in 2019, Russell Westbrook sets a record with his 11th consecutive triple-double. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball as he enjoys some well-earned R&R in the sun in the Bahamas. That's where he went. And, um, of course, he's thinking football because that's what Ballsy does while he's on vacation. And uh, he can't believe that Ambrosi gets away with this Montreal fiasco. Yeah. I'm not sure I blame him. I mean, you know, he's got a point. Sometimes I think that we're all being a little too hard on the commissioner because really, he's got a really, really tough job to do, right? There's all this negativity all the time. I read the book End Zones and Border Wars about the U.S. expansion era that Ed Willis wrote. It's a fantastic read. And... 
That's a tough job. Like we used to rail on Larry Smith for being such an incompetent boob, but then when you read about the meetings he had, there'd be a lot of stress in that job. And once you're there, it's hard to even think straight. And I don't know. I just I don't know how he well, gets some away people, with it. Yeah. Some people deal with it better than others. I mean, I don't think he's dealing with it very good, to be honest with you. But no, and there and there's a lot of people. I'm just out there. singer, though. I'm well, just a singer. Th- there are a lot of people in corporate Canada who would love to have that job, who would love to be commissioner of the Canadian Football League. Here's an avenue that I've often wondered about: if maybe it doesn't get approached enough. Remember when Derek Jeter became part owner of the Marlins? His goal, he said at the end of his career, was to own a Major League Baseball franchise. And, of course, they get into discussions. He doesn't have the money to do that. So he ends up getting, like, 4%. He runs the club, but then he starts arguing with the people who have the real power. And then it's no fun for him anymore, and he leaves. Mm -hmm. So my point being, there are a lot of superstars who have made crazy amounts of money playing in the National Football League who would love to own a football franchise. Uh, The legendary George Allen, the first ever coach of the Washington, we don't call them that name anymore, uh, he owned the Alouettes for a year and there were issues and he left. Should they not be setting up some sort of committee to scout out people like Tom Brady? And don't laugh at me. There, There are NFL superstars who've made hundreds of millions of dollars. One of them would love to own the Montreal Alouettes. You would think, hmm. or a CFL franchise. That's a question that uh, should be forwarded to Mr. Randy Ambrosi, Mr. McGuire, and hopefully we'll get him on here sooner rather than later. So That's all I got. We survived. It's gone by Another quick, day. man. We made her through. Special thanks to all of our guests, and that's a wrap. Zinger at Night is next. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.